0: WrestlePlug 444 life, Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE It's like ordering uh, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of coke you absolute moldy cheese fucking
1: Baby Bell Dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people
0: live in this
1: fantasy land.
0: Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. Champion. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to wrestling talent. So Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, preferably over the age of 18, because this is not a Brit Rest special. <sighs> Awkward very very awesome. oh this, this right here is the last bastion of hope when it comes to podcasts. this is a podcast that tells you how it is this is a podcast that does not filter itself for the benefit of all the winchy little tarts on social media we can't handle a little bit of criticism so if you are here for genuine hot takes and interesting opinions on this week's wrestling you've come to the right place and we welcome you and if you're here looking for everything to be super positive all the time get the fuck out you are boring me um, <laughs> that's, that's not even how life works, go away no, Not life. how life works, not. no, exactly Wait for your intros, you cretins <laughs> The unruly masses, ladies and gentlemen This is the first time we've ever done a podcast on Zoom You'll still be getting the audio experience So if you're listening via audio, which is probably just Jerry from Louisiana uh, Mad love to you, my friend Hope all things are well, and particularly for everyone in Louisiana In such difficult times, weather-wise um, I'm your host, Aaron Nix I'm the harbinger of professional wrestling I'm the doctor of love uh, that's a gimmick that about five people will get. The rest of you, you'll just have to catch up later. Um, joining me for the State Wrestling Address, which of course is where we discuss all of the week's most interesting topics, or we just review whatever wrestling we've seen. We've already covered Raw, by the way. So obviously, this is going to be preferably around the Wednesday Night War. We're going to be talking about AEW Dynamite, and we're also going to be talking about NXT, because luckily, all three of us have watched it. I say three, because we have... Two marvellous gentlemen with me. I'm Aaron X. Now, first of all, joining me is um, it's just, you know, we're struggling. So here's Jeremy Miller. Hey. Hey. Representing Sly Fox Sports Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back Absolutely. to the WrestlePlug, Mr. Miller. It's been a while. How have you been, son?
1: Oh, it's been quite a while. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, started a new job, recently got married, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. Let's yes. talk wrestling. I'm good
0: to go. You're now officially Mrs. Miller. Congratulations, sir. Oh,
1: oh,
0: oh.
1: fucking hell. What
0: oh, what so now then, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard him so many times. He's my wonderful co-host, <laughs> he's magical. <sighs> You know him so well by now. He's Canada's favorite cleaner. He's twice the white like skills of Kenny Omega and just half the insulin. He is the Duke of Diabetes, the Maple Leaf Magician, the Oscar-worthy Ontarian, Kyle um, how, how
2: How do you expect me to honestly follow that? What the hell, dude? Will I mean, it's
0: all true. that—no, that.
2: probably not. Uh, I mean, you know, I got the, uh, no, yours, no. Yours was shit. Just stop. <laughs> Fuck you. But we had fucking the Maple Leaf magician is the best thing I've ever heard. Like, uh, at
1: least it's not Maple Leaf Muscle. I mean, why not? Petey Williams. Yeah, Petey Williams is a fucking god.
2: Yeah, I know. He invented the move that everyone does as a transitional move. Now, isn't it great?
1: Oh, fantastic.
0: Oh, the transitional destroyer. Let's start with something that would have destroyed the internet. Uh, Both of you have watched AEW Dynamite, and as you would have seen from the Fallout and the most hilarious... actions of social media particularly of one Mr. Cornet, who is not very happy this week because of incidents. When is he ever happens? happy? Um never and I love him for it because <laughs> god he's so British we're so miserable um by the way if you're watching <laughs> Amy I know you live in America now that's why you've always got a smart on your face so I envy you tremendously I don't know where you find all the happiness because hello darkness my old friend anyway AEW Dynamite um <laughs> Let's, let's find out, okay? Um, fuck's sake. Chris Jericho and MJF decided to go full Broadway or some way. They went a way. Which way? We don't know. Uh, but they decided to give us a musical number. We, of course, had the debonair meeting, the restaurant inclusion of these two gentlemen who ordered their steaks. Extremely, extremely mm-hmm. rare. And um, who wants to go first? Who wants to tell me what they genuinely think of this? Is this a moment that has killed wrestling? Or does this just add another layer of entertainment to two already great might
2: Um, I'll, I'll jump in here. Cause honestly, I find myself really conflicted on this because I mean, I love Chris Jericho. He's been able to, you know, adapt for the last 30 years. He's one of, if not the greatest wrestler ever, the goat, And MJF reminds me a lot of like a young Chris Jericho, you know, when he turned heel at WCW, you know, the man of a thousand and four holes and about 817 of them were an arm bar. It just, they, they have this really parallel career path. I can see, and I'm really excited for it. And on, but on the other hand, the the musical part, I mean, I don't love musicals. I don't hate musicals. There's some I, I can enjoy. There's others. I would rather drink bleach. But this one was, like, this one was, it was okay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I just know that if WWE did this, people would be unanimously hating on it. The fact that AEW can get away with it just because people, you know, love it so much and they think it's just better than WWE all around, which is clearly not true if you just look at the women, (laughs) night and day there, folks. But, you know, it was... It was okay. I probably wouldn't go out of my way to watch it again. Like if it just showed up and I watched it, I'd be like, yeah, fine, whatever. But I don't see myself going into the YouTube search bar and going, man, I can't wait to watch the dinner debonair. No, I'm, I'm not going to do that again.
1: Um, I thought it was fantastic, actually. It, it just shows that, again, Jericho can adapt and MJF is by far the best mic worker that they've got in AEW right now he is for my money a a megastar and he hasn't even really done anything he hasn't even held a title but i do think that this is going to become like another festival of friendship kind of thing and we're gonna eventually get mjf versus jericho
2: I, I don't think you could compare the two personally just because no. Kevin and Chris had like this, like, I don't know, I don't know how genuine it was in real life, but it portrayed so genuine. They loved each other. These guys just seem to have a mutual respect. Like I can see the parallels, but I don't think it's quite as devoted. If that's the
0: right word for it. What you mean? Like the on-screen relationship? Like, cause the actual segment itself, um, I mean, I'll give my opinion on that in a minute, but I saw a lot of people saying, particularly WWE apologists or people who may be anti-AEW, maybe of Cornette members, saying that this was a poor attempt to trying to replicate the Festival of Friendship, which is utterly wrong because that had such a build, a dedication, a psychology. They're very different ideas. The idea here was these two forming their unity for the first time. Um, And obviously... From a comedic standpoint, I thought it was tremendous. Um, I actually thought it was very good. I've got to be honest. I prepared myself to hate. It. Everybody knows how miserable I am. Everybody knows that I'm like fucking wrestling has become shit. And eh. like, you know, I like my real. You know, I like my real wrestling. I like my logical wrestling continuity. But this was really entertaining. It, this shows that even if it is stupid, over the top, carnival, circus, which I'm not always for, as long as it's been done by the guys who can do it best, I don't mind. You know, if John Marksley and Lance Archer tried this, well, it would have been tragic to say the very least. But I'll tell you one thing, MJF is a better singer than Chris Jericho. At least when it comes to singing something of that nature. Uh, we know that he um, spent quite a bit of time at a cappella when he was in high school, college, whatever it might be over there. But, I, uh, I, I didn't hate it. I found it very funny, actually. I did. I thought it was very amusing. I like the fact they dropped the dancer girls as well. I thought that was very amusing. They were kind of like <laughs> just dropping them flat like uh, Archer drops Rachel in one of the episodes of Archer. It's just, I, I thought it was quite funny. And the good thing is it wasn't the main event. I was worried they were going to close the show with it. They weren't going to give prominent time to something else. You know, I was worried that it would be like, oh, here's a five-minute Phoenix-Pentagon match, and then we'll have 55 minutes of Chris Jericho eating steak. And it's like, well, no. You know, it kept it short, kept it sweet. The music was amusing. It's not wrestling, is it? Entertainment. Um, The argument that I can see, of course, is that a lot of people were promised that AEW would be a more sports-based competition. They were promised that AEW would be a more serious program. You know, wins and losses would count. And yet here we are with something that no doubt, if WWE dared to do a musical like this, it would be widely panned, you know, critically shat on. No question. So, yeah, it's a bit of double standards, particularly in a lot of fans. But that being said, I thought it was utterly fantastic. I did. I thought it was very entertaining. I thought it was very funny. But I don't want to see it every week. You know, as a one-off, great stuff. But if I see this happening on a more regular basis, then I'm going to be frustrated. I think there's no question that eventually, probably one day down the line, these two are going to wrestle each other. It's kind of nice that Chris Jericho has moved on to trying to put over somebody or trying to help someone who's already, let's be honest, probably just as over as he is anyway. But it's nice that he's moved on to somebody who is worthy of being put over to that level. Because as much as I like Orange Cassidy, there's no way he should be up there and on a par and on a level with guys like Cody as which was you know alluded to once again this week because next week he'll be defending his TNT championship against it again um but that is what it is but yeah no I I've always <laughs> fun I've always entertaining um the knockout tournament has begun to decide a number one contender starting with let's go quick fire around these matches see what you bought Wardlow versus Jungle Boy open the show um Jungle Boy, unfortunately, taking another loss despite this. You know, I really want to see this guy pushed as the ultimate babyface. That being said, I thought this was one of the best worked matches of the night. I thought the psychology was great. I thought Wardlow did fantastic. Definitely his best match to date. As much as I like the steel cage match, very gimmicky. This is just a straight up fight. I love the psychology. I love the consistent uh, nature of Jungle Boy's offense. It didn't just feel like a load of wasted spots and you know, monkey flips or whatever you want to call it. It wasn't a spot monkey match by any means. I thought it had good psychology, good work to it, and Wardlow moves on.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's probably the right choice. I mean, you definitely need a monster heel in that tournament to at least, you know, go on, because I believe he would go on to face the winner of Hangman and... Conker Man. I think, yeah, it was Cole Cabana. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, we'll, we'll talk about it. he won that in a second. But, I mean, Jungle Boy, you're right. He is he's so young. Like, he's like MJF. They they have so much potential to give. And they're already so, so good. And AEW is hopefully the best place for them to do that. were like, it's like an F5. It's more like an F50 when he just <laughs> picks them up and just fucking spins them like a pizza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Jungle Boy is probably the only guy in the company, other than maybe your favorite there, Marco Stunt, that could make that look as violent as it did. Can you imagine if he did it to Marco Stunt? He'd be in the fucking atmosphere. Just, he'd be gone. But no, Wardlow looked like a monster. He is a monster. Jungle Boy still gets a bunch of sympathy for the loss because he put on a hell of a showing. He eventually, you know, got Wardlow off his feet and stuff. So he's. You know he doesn't win, but I don't think he comes out of it looking weak. He still he still looks good, and like I said, Wardlow can just carry on and look like the fucking monster that he is.
1: I think this match was really good. Uh, Wardlow's finisher is by by the way, it's called the F ten because you know twice as powerful was the double spin. And I'm sorry that F ten to the fucking uh rampway from the ring fucking hell they just oh god yes Hoss and,
0: horse, and we love and I, horses and
1: i cannot wait for that oh the matchup coming up there's a ha! Oh.
0: you're having a bit of a crisis
1: no it i'm having a bit of a oh fucking i'm having an orgasm this this match coming up is going lovely to be fantastic <laughs>
0: And that is exactly why this video cannot be accessed by anyone under the age of 18. Because Jeremy Miller is a pervert. No,
1: no. I'm no Velveteen Dream, asshole. Oh. Hey, it's, Ooh. All,
0: it's all alleged. Dang. Yeah, yeah. And also, this is an NXT hour. We're getting to NXT. <laughs> you want to have your say about patrick and his nefarious dm material you can have your say later and then you can do (laughs) the fucking litigation that we get when it comes to (laughs) if if anything Uh, at least say
2: you're not like jimmy havoc or something just keep it aew related
0: fuck exactly exactly um Uh, so yeah wardlow moves on he would meet the winner of hangman page and cook cabana who could have possibly won such an incredibly equal tie um actually to be fair (laughs) Fairly credible. <laughs> Come on, I live. If,
2: if, this is a, a curved hand. You don't just put your oh, hand out. It's
0: the curved say, what hand. What the fuck is that? No. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Well, you Mustapha Ali, lights out, baby. Only on the, the one. I'm the only one's getting away with that shit, looking like this. Um, although Carl's getting there, definitely my Middle Eastern brother from another mobile. Um. Yeah, so Colt Cabana versus Hangman Page. Surprisingly competitive, good match. I was worried that this might go the way of one of the other matches, which we am going to discuss in a moment. Um, but ultimately, it's Hangman Page that comes out on top. Everyone knew that. But Colt Cabana once again, showing that despite the fact that he is regarded as more of a comedic indie wrestler, he's got a really good poise when he wrestles. I really like his mentality. I think he's very funny. The psychology is very good. But he was also bringing a bit more physicality. And I like the fact that he is playing this kind of, I'm in the dark order, but I'm a nice guy. And what <laughs> he here is mental. And, you know, things like this. It's, you know, I really enjoyed the uh, promo backstage as well when he's with Silver and Reynolds. And Silver is just fucking going mental. In that guy's has had way way too many curly whirlies. He's off his nuts. And, um, I, I enjoy it. I really like the dynamic of him being this kind of light, happy, rainbow kind of guy, and the rest of the Dark Order. Like you know, even even like you know, I think Silver says to him at one point, "I don't even like you," but you're going to beat Hangman Page. It was it was fun. It was entertaining. This was a good match. Hangman Page going out there, you know, putting in good work, making sure the other guy gets a, a decent measure of offense. It's pretty obvious where we're heading in this tournament, but I'm really excited about this semi-final: Wardlow versus. Hangman Page, great potential. And also, one of the first times Hangman Page is going to have the opportunity to wrestle a much bigger, hoss-like individual, somebody who's going to change the psychology of that match. So I'm quite excited about that. But do you know what? I love this match. You know, I, I must admit, out of all the matches I looked at this and thought, this might be the weakest match out of the four. And it ended up being just as entertaining. In fact, a lot more entertaining than one of the others. And really on a par with the other two, which were fantastic.
2: Yeah, that, that's the thing. Ken, like, Hangman's been wrestling a bunch of, like, the smaller guys for the most part, because he's been in the tag division. So he's been dealing with, uh you know, he, he dealt with the Bucks with Kenny. He dealt with, uh he's gone up against private party, I'm pretty sure. He's, they've probably, I think they defended against the best friends at some point. So he's dealt with people that are, you know, approximately the same size as him, give or take, so they can still, you know, sell that buckshot lariat, which is still one of the coolest moves I think okay. he does. Man, just that that flip is so cool, but now he faced off against a guy that's probably, you know, a good five or six inches taller, a good 75 to hundred pounds heavier. He's going to have going to have to change it up a bit. Like I'm, I can almost guarantee he's going to hit the buckshot and then more will just like stutter for a second, you know, and just, he- yeah. he's going to have to, you know, up you know take something out of that back pocket for some more innovative offense because I think we all know that he's going to be going to the finals I think we all know who he's gonna face just because that's what's been building for the last few weeks so this is a time for him to show you know what he was a rising star in New Japan before you know they all the mass exodus part two and they all started this company he was I think he was starting to do some fantastic things he did face Jericho for the right to be the inaugural champion So I think the guys in the back, even though they're, you know, his best friends they are still really high on him, but I think he's also earning his spot as well. He's not just getting it given just because he's one of the boys.
1: I think that this was Colt Cabana's best match in AEW. Uh, Hangman Adam Page. uh, He's finally been in his prominent role. Like you said, when he was up with jericho for the inaugural title this has been his best thing you know before he was a you know drunk at drinking all the time being a tag team partner with ken omega but you know now that that's over he can actually concentrate on his career and his singles run and damn it with the captain um but yeah, I think that this upcoming match between Wardlow and Hangman Adam Page is going to be fucking fantastic, and I would not be surprised if we see at least three or four buckshot lariats, and Wardlow doesn't hit the ground.
0: Um. Yeah. No. I. Um. Yeah. Pull one out. Hangman. Um. I. I like it. I like the way it's going. Uh, It's been very stop start with Hangman Page. Uh, The alcoholic angle at first, I remember being pretty enraged about it uh, and just being like, well, it's very insensitive, it's very stupid. Then they made it more of a comedic kind of thing, and I got on side with that. Um, There are a few things. I'm critical of AEW when it comes to booking, but I will say one thing. Everything Hangman Page does, I eventually do come around to at some point or another. There's no denying his work rate as well. One of the better in-ring workers this company has. And I like his character being a little bit more relatable. Uh, At least (laughs) it's hard not to like him more than the rest of the elite because the rest of them are just a bunch of whiny little douches. And I know that's the point, but they've always been there. He chased down, down Sammy. He
2: chased down <clears throat> Samuel O'Gavara with a horse. I mean, like, what's not to love about this man?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Not to mention the bar fight with Jay Hager, where they sat down and had a drink first. <laughs> was great. Good times. Like That was probably the highlight of that stadium stampede match for me as well. But... um Obviously, on the flip side of the draw, it does feel very much like we're working towards him and his ex-tag team partner. I want to talk about this match because this was actually the only thing I didn't like from this entire Dynamite. As People who have listened to this podcast will know I've been very critical in the last couple of weeks of some shoddy booking, terrible women's matches, terrible women's booking, just in general being really, really underwhelmed with everything AEW has been doing. Uh, Kenny Omega runs over Sonny Kiss in about, what, 10 seconds? uh, Immediate um, V-trigger. One-winged angel. Boom. Gets the win. Then does the obnoxious thing afterwards. Obviously had the monster build-up. For me, it doesn't make me hate him. I just think, so over the top, and I tuned out by the time he got out to the ring. Um, For me, I don't like the way this is booked. I think Sonny Kiss has the potential to unlock such a unique fan base for AEW. Uh, he has such a unique identity. Obviously the way he self identifies his sexuality, you know, um, I, I think he's fit as fuck to be honest. I, don't, I think I, I certainly would. <laughs> but he's got a lovely, lovely ass. Just saying. And uh, if that offends you, fuck off. Um, Simply put, I think Sunny Kiss has so much potential. I really do. So unique, so flamboyant and entertaining and also a good in-ring worker, unlike a lot of the freak show acts they got going on because they do have some novelty circus acts you would expect to entertain you in a cage. Do a little dance for me, you little monkey, Marco. Oh. You know, that kind of stuff. don't care about that. But Sunny Kiss, for me, has a lot of potential. And to see him fed <clears throat> to Kenny Omega like that, does nothing for me. Uh, this isn't the same cleaner that we got in NJPW. So people are like freaking out. Oh, my God, hot women with brooms. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little surprised that the feminist didn't come for that, actually. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I didn't like it. I don't think it goes well. I get that they're trying to make Kenny Omega, you know, it's like, oh, look at me. I'm taking singles wrestling more seriously than the other guys. It took Hangman Page 10, 15 minutes to dispatch Banner. I just ruined Sonny Kiss, you know, easy day at the office. I'm not bothered. I'm not interested in seeing members of the elite putting themselves over on a regular basis. And that was one of the biggest problems I think this show did have. It's a smaller criticism for once, but it did feel like the elite was swinging their dicks around a bit too much. What do we think about Kenny Omega going over Sonny Kiss? Uh, Are we okay with it? Do we have problems with it? Am I just being a bit miserable and a bit sour because I'm just not as hot on Kenny Omega as everybody else?
2: Honestly, (laughs) I, I think you have justification here. Like Kenny winning, I think, was a foregone conclusion. It didn't really matter who he was going up against. So, with that being said, why take someone that, like you say, has such a unique, just a uniqueness to them? Like, it's kind of hard to describe. He's just so different and such an interesting person, personality, character, all that sort of stuff. So, out of all the people you have in your company, all the people you use on Dark, like you could have just brought, yeah, brought someone in from Dark, Someone still prominent enough to be in a tournament like this mm. and by the way it wasn't sunny kiss not the original opponent i swear it there it was somebody else I just joey janela was
0: the original opponent which mm-hmm. is why it makes sense to put in the concrete rose because obviously he's joey Janella's tank team partner but I, I i that was the one thing actually i neglected to mention which i've written down in my notes here is that why you've got an army of jobbers running around on dark i get that you can't throw in someone who's too shit because it's supposed to be for the number one contendership but you know, they could have just said, look, it's last minute. We didn't know who to get in. They could have had an AEW Dark Battle Royal or something. They could have recorded that, a quick battle run. And, you know, maybe they could have had the Battle Royal right before this match. And then he takes advantage of the fact that the individual is either injured or too knackered to put up a decent fight. But to throw Sunny Kiss to the walls like that? No, I'm not feeling that at all. Uh,
2: and I mean, like, I've, I'm not even... Like interested, I guess, in the way his character is being portrayed right now. Like Justin Roberts, I'm pretty sure got winded, saying all of the shit before Omega even made it out the entrance ramp. I'm like, dude, w- people that watch AEW were hard, were hardcore New Japan fans. We already know all of this. Like you don't need to just feed his ego. And I like Kenny. I do. He's still one of the best angry workers in the world. Now that he's back in singles competition, I am excited for that part, the in-ring work. But the character stuff, I'm just like, whatever. Like That face he had after he hit the one-winged angel, it just looked like he's like, yeah, (laughs) I know. He looked
0: looked a bit constipated, to be honest. I mean, a little, yeah.
2: I mean, I understand the fact that the one-winged angel has never been kicked out of. I get that. I'm pretty sure it's still been protected forever. He killed Sammy with it at the Stampede, for God's sakes. But... Like, you don't need to have that just pure look of discontent or, yeah, well, I did it. Neat. But, you know, I guess it, in the end, it doesn't really matter. Kenny moves on. He faces the winner of Pentagon and Ray Phoenix, which we're going to talk about in a second. And that one got me erect.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did. Miller, what do you think about Sonic Kiss being front of the walls before we jump to the ultimate lucha combatants? I think,
1: I know that they, you know, AEW is all about, oh, we don't do this like WWE and everything, but I think they got Sonny Kiss put in there and they let Kenny run over Sonny because of Joey Janela. If you notice, before Joey Janela got pulled off, he was doing two, he did one or two, yeah, right, one or two um, independent shows. And then he, he actually did a halftime show at a uh, high school football game in New Jersey, and that's where they're saying he caught COVID.
0: Well, he didn't catch so, COVID. The suggestion is that he was around somebody who contracted it. So well I want to make sure you get that factually correct before you come in because you never know who's going to say otherwise. But the story yeah. goes that he was around somebody who – But he was exposed to someone who possibly had COVID, which is why, obviously, self-isolation would take place. So is your insinuation that... This was punishment via Sunny Kiss for what Jimmy's behavior was. I think that's a bit of a stretch. To be honest, I
2: don't. Uh, I don't think AEW is that petty. WWE is for sure, oh, and, yeah, we've no seen, and we've seen that because Lana goes has gone through the announce table for five straight weeks, and I still like, pop. Like, I, I was going to say, like you haven't but... popped
0: your tits off <laughs> every time. I,
2: I'm like, I mean, it's getting old for sure now, but I mean, it's still funny. But that's the know. kind of buryment that WWE do. I think AEW still. There, there's two i don't want to say they're too good for it but it's not quite their style tony khan I mean, too he's, 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 to he's too much of a fucking mark to do that
1: to someone
0: too much of a pussy
1: i mean yeah, i i i have a feeling that tony khan was pissed off because joey they, he likes joey janella and joey went out
0: obviously otherwise he wouldn't have been in this fucking exactly. I like Joey Janella, but there is no way he's one of the eight best wrestlers in this company. you got to be honest and look at this lineup, actually, and say that a bit of a mixed bag. I like Colt Cabana. I like Joey Janela. I, I love Sonny Kiss, but obviously neither of those individuals looks like they should be in this bracket at all. Oh, where was Lance Archer? Um, Go ahead. Like, like, yeah. I,
2: I think a semi-finals contest between Lance Archer and Wardlow
0: would be fucking great. It would make a lot of sense actually for him to want to be in this you know um
1: isn't that the whole reason that they brought up with this because you know Wardlow or not Wardlow fucking Archer was supposed to face Moxley at full gear
0: hmm. no he at... was meant to face him on the 1 year anniversary oh yeah. that's what it was yeah it was like a couple
2: of weeks ago and then yeah. he uh, he was exposed to someone that had covid or he yeah, got so I had to himself.
0: delay that and he ultimately mm-hmm. lost his Uh, match in pretty underwhelming fashion, actually, which was a massive disappointment. I think Lance Archer is somebody that they've missed the boat on pretty badly, actually. Uh, You know, for a man who just, I mean, how many people have the tools and the ability and the look and the athleticism that a guy like Lance Archer does to be 6'7", 6'8", and to wrestle the way he does and to work the way he does, and also cut a really good prime despite the fact he's got Jake Roberts next to him. You know, that's um, that's a disappointment. But I don't think Sonny Kiss was punished in that regard. I think it was just the case of they wanted to get Kenny Omega over that badly because, you know, first of all, he's got to get himself over because whatever, he's VP of whatever. And one of the worst bookers in the history of women's wrestling, from what I can tell. And also because they want to build to this Hangman Page rivalry. Ultimately, I'm not going to whinge too much if Hangman Page goes over and gets his redemption story and has this, you know, magical rivalry and, you know, maybe sort of crashes the big stage and becomes AEW world champion. But if this is leading to heel douchebag, and let's be honest, this is going to upset a few people. The only reason Kenny Omega's playing the whole douchey thing where he's like, "Mm," is because he doesn't have the personality or the mic skills to be a proper heel, to be effective as a good heel. He's, you know, like, I don't, I just find him very, um, I think he's an incredible wrestler, but I find him very bland as a character. He's not very good on the mic whatsoever. He had an opportunity to prove himself when he was consistently working at the commentary desk during Handman Page matches. He absolutely flattered to deceive. He's got such a dulcet tone. He just sounds very disinterested in everything he does. And ultimately, I would rather have two guys singing Me and My Shadow and looking like, you know, one of them being 50 and looking like he's about to pass out from, you know, the ability of his lungs being full up and um, trying to hold a note. I'd rather have that because those guys look like they've got their heart and soul in it. Kenny Omega to me, I get the impression that he doesn't care. It feels that way, you know, and that's before the character change when he was a heel. I'm, I'm getting a little bit sick and tired of seeing the Elite. You know, when they say all elite wrestling right now, it really is all the elite in wrestling. (laughs) It's it's not for me. I don't want to see them in prominent positions all the time. I've got no problem with it. It's a sad fact is as well that Kenny Omega. And the Young Bucks were doing a pretty good job of getting other talents over when they first started. And now we've gone on the flip side of things. Um, Let's talk about something a little bit happier and something a bit more exciting, shall we? The battle of the Lucha Brothers. Pentel 0M and Raya Phoenix uh, with Eddie Kingston on commentary, adding that emotional value. The best mic, by the way, Kenny Omega, take a little lesson from Eddie Kingston, man. Holy shit. That guy is special. The best mic worker right now in wrestling, period. Relatable, real, honest, gritty. He's getting Better shit out of John Moxley as well. John Moxley's promos have all of a sudden just got that extra bit of fire. People are ready for that. He's building to an I Quit match of full gear, but here we are with his La Familia, you know, and his best friend in wrestling as well, in Pentagon, Penta L Zero M, and him and Ray Phoenix put on the kind of match you would expect a Lucha Underground classic, a fantastic demonstration in what it takes to be a truly special luchador not just somebody who flips around and does spots although both of them can certainly do that as well and it's Ray Phoenix who moves on with a to be honest a little bit of a kind of you know he caught him slightly unaware coming off of the arm breaker that crazy Canadian destroyer that insane spot with a pop-up power bomb like when, and when I mean pop-up power bomb I mean literally like never mind pop-up power bomb fucking hell that was an aerial, but <laughs> that's ridiculous. The guy is like 10 feet in the air. It's insane. What a display of athleticism and easily, as you would expect, the best rest of the match of the night.
2: Yeah. I mean, hands down, best match of the night. I mean, I've loved Pentagon since he was an impact when he was the impact world champion. I thought he was doing great stuff there. His The tag stuff him and Ray Phoenix did against LAX before, you know, they both went on to Pastures New and ended up in the same place. And we still haven't, I don't think we've gotten a great match between those two yet, have we? Not that I can recall. It's been a year, so I'm sure they've probably faced off, but nothing like that special ladder match they had at Rebellion that one year. I was there <laughs> for that. It was brilliant. But these two guys are incredible. And Ray Phoenix was, he got hurt at some point during that match. He, I think he was trying to do a uh, hurricane run or something from the top. You know, he nailed it, but still landed real hard on his shoulder and neck. So he was, you know,
0: Definitely virus, a risk, baby. It's cool that. Yeah, it I
2: mean, so you could tell he slowed down a bit, but slowing down for the Lucha Brothers is like, you know, going from Mach 8 to Mach 7. I mean, it's still ridiculous. You blink, you're going to miss something. Like, yeah, that pop up up, up, up power bomb. when he just fucking threw him. I'm pretty sure Phoenix did like a flip in the air as he came back down into the power bomb position. It was incredible. And he goes over, which honestly surprised me. I thought we were going to get another Pentagon Kenny classic because they've gone a few times, but this is actually a real nice surprise. It's a pleasant change of pace because I don't think we've seen these two go one-on-one and you know, you might, like you said, you might not like Kenny's character, but his in ring work is, you know, second to none. So I think these two are going to have a banger of a match next week. They're kind of stocked it up to deal with what NXT is putting on next week. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this Wednesday night war, I mean, it's just forcing both companies to have increasingly better product. And really that's all us as wrestling fans want.
1: Yeah, by far a match of the night for me. Uh, Ray Phoenix, as much as he is known for his tag team work, his singles runs fantastic in lucha underground he is a absolute freak his Torneo off the top rope right to pentagon the revolutions just disgusting and then after penta thinks he's got him with that arm breaker and then ray turns it into that destroyer just fantastic and I want Ray to go over Kenny. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen because we're going to get Kenny versus Paige. But if it did happen and, you know, say Eddie Kingston does beat Moxley, I think Eddie Kingston versus Ray Phoenix for the AEW title would be fantastic and must watch.
0: Yeah, you're not getting it, though. (laughs) No, no, I'm not getting it. I will be dumbstruck if the final is not. Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page. Frankly, I think, uh, to be honest, they're telegraphing it a little bit too much. So I will give them all the credit and love in the world. I'll be the first to come on here and sing their praises that that is not the route that they end up going down. Um, but, yeah, Phoenix moves on. I think that's fantastic. I think from an athletic standpoint, the idea of Phoenix versus Kenny Omega is the kind of wrestling you want. That's the kind of wrestling that you would pay good money to see. No question. Kenny Omega doesn't hit with me. I think he's actually, at this point, grossly overrated, which is really sad for me to say because I spent a long time, particularly on this podcast, with me and Carl like and NJPW, I would sing his praises relentlessly. But that's a product where you are not reliant on being a character of sorts more so than you are being a great in-ring worker and the story development there is a lot more gritty as well so you can get away you can hide away a little bit if you are a little bit short on the mic and that's always been one of the first things people say the detractors of Kenny Omega is there's is a man that despite all of his incredible talents is a pretty boring entertainer unless you are interested in a fluid, athletic style of wrestling, which, of course, is another thing that AEW had promised us more of. And, hey, that's a promise they'll live up to with Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix, which is pay-per-view quality under any circumstance, no question, irregardless of my personal feelings. Uh, We also have, um, speaking of number one contenders, we have the new number one contenders for the tag team division. Talk about mailing this rivalry in. Um, very quickly. I'm very disappointed. I'll be the first to put this out, actually, and I think it'll upset a lot of people. I, I actually thought this match was a bit of a dud. I didn't enjoy this match. I thought it was a little bit uh, lacklustre, bit botchy. Um, I actually thought John Silver uh, had a very good argument for being the MVP of this match. He worked incredibly hard, provided an astonishing amount of entertainment. I like Private Pie. I think they are... <sighs> At best, uh, pound land street profits right now, they just look a little bit, you know. I mean, if if you because it, I'm not matching them up because they're African American, I'm matching them up because the gimmick is very similar. This entertaining party boy kind of mentality, and the street profits deliver it, they look polished, they look exciting, they look funny, they're great mic workers. Um, part private pie when they're put in this position, they look like they're kind of like you know deer-in-the-headlights mentality. Don't cut very good promos, which is a shame. Very likable guys, great athletes, and they just look a little bit low-rent by comparison to some on Light Street Profits. Um, and of course, you know, for the get-go, the problem with this match was you knew the Young Bucks were going to win. There was no way they were going to come out here after being built up as terrible, terrible heels, by the way. And then... They kind of worked face for a large proportion of this match, which made absolutely no sense. If you go back and watch this match, the psychology of it, and this is one of the things that knocked me out of the loop, which stopped me from enjoying this match as much as maybe it did other people who are a lot more forgiving of this stuff. I felt that, I mean, when you compare the tag team main event of NXT, I think it was light and day in terms of storytelling, Mm -hmm. athletic prowess, psychology, and in-ring ability. I don't think AEW's tag team division is even close to touching what NXT are doing right now. And that is astonishing when you consider the depth of his tag team division. I think the Young Bucks are miserably boring. Miserably boring. They are terrible heels. They are basically two immature men who are acting as if they are 12. And I have no interest in it. I'm sure if I was a child, I enjoy it to a certain extent. I think they look pretty shabby as well. I don't think they look like stars whatsoever. I'm not saying that all wrestlers need to be like Lex Luger material because Kevin Owens is one of my favorite wrestlers. And he's certainly not a body guy by any means. And, you know, I'm a wrestler. I'm not a body guy, as you can see. But at the same time, when you come out dressed in what look like yoga pants with money on it you know looking like some i don't know some kind of shall we say black market fake rolex kind of monopoly guy money you know knockoff. it it doesn't work for me and i'm very disappointed that they won this match and we're just gonna get ftr versus the young bucks a rivalry that has been Brewing and building and boiling for months, if not years, on social media. And now it's just like, yeah, cool. They won this very haphazard, very all-over-the-place tag team main event match, which frankly had no place being in the main event when you yeah. consider that you had Penta and Ray Phoenix on this card. And apparently we're going to get the Young Bucks versus FTR oh. full gear. And I suppose one of the only saving graces of this thing was the fact that... Um, an individual who looked suspiciously like Tully Blanchard, obviously, and was revealed to be him, um, kind of helped FTR put down the uh, the brothers Jackson. And obviously, I think it was Matt Jackson who suffered the uh, faux broken leg kind of incident. Don't really care. Got no interest. And actually, uh, the way they've treated FTR as well, rather tragically, I'm not interested in FTR versus the Young Bucks. They had an opportunity here to build something truly iconic. And instead, we've got something that has been truly lackluster. And I think FTR are becoming more and more exposed because instead of building people up to their level, they're being forced to work down to the level of people around. them.
2: I remember when FTR first debuted on Dynamite and you and I talked about it and we both said, we don't want these two teams touching each other. For months, let FTR. You know, FTR won the titles. I was okay with that. They didn't touch the Bucks. Fine, whatever. But the Bucks have to go through. I thought the Bucks would have to go through. You know, most of these because let's be honest. I'm pretty sure their record's not that great. But you know, records matter on AEW <laughs> Yuck. So now we're getting this match that's been building for at least two years, just from Twitter and social media. Fine. And Full Gear is a big show, again, fine, but there are the fact that the Bucks won this match, and the fact that this match wasn't good, like it, it's a, just a shame because we've again we've talked about it before their tag division is so deep. They've got such an incredible plethora of tag teams. Like why couldn't Santana and Ortiz been in this match? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like as I like Private Party, I, they're fun but they didn't have a chance in hell of winning at least proud and powerful you go hey those guys might be able to those guys could probably come away at the win like the butcher and the blade i'm actually really high on them i really like them i don't know why just when they first started i'm like uh, whatever it's the guitars from a band i used to like
0: quite and this legit dude, as well aren't they they feel quite legit they're hard hitting. yeah they're very gruff they're very and even ftr were quite keen to put them over on commentary as well
2: yeah and like that's fine and you know um who else was in this one
0: Silver on Reynolds of the
2: dog food. Yeah, and Reynolds, um, uh, did anyone notice him just get mangled? He hey. got hit. He Thumb got hit town. but the, yeah, Thumb he got hit with town. the uh you know, the leg leg drop cross body or splash, or whatever. Yeah, he was legitimately KO'd. And I believe it was the butcher, like you know, went into the ring, grabbed his wrist, dragged him over to the corner just so he could tag himself in. But a lot of the blame with that has to go on the ref, at least a little bit, because as far as I know, it is the ref's job to make sure the people in the ring are okay. You go over, you do the hand squeeze, you see, you know, if you get a reaction, if not, you make sure someone comes down to help. AEW has been doing a lot of poor decision-making lately. Like Matt Hardy. Uh, he probably shouldn't have gone on. The fact that they just let it keep going. Like, that's not right. Like the competitor's safety have to be first. And then Reynolds just being KO'd in the middle of the ring and nothing happens. Like that's definitely, it's irresponsible on the refs part. It's irresponsible on people backstage, not just coming out and checking. Like there's a lot of people you can blame here, but I don't want to dwell on that too, too much. The point is we're getting the bucks and FTR at full gear. And I don't care because this is something that we shouldn't be getting until, you know, like all in next year or all out next year or something. Like, it should have been built up and now it's just we're getting a couple of couple of dickheads from their first year in college thinking they're cool against a couple of guys that were putting like bananas or fucking some sort of wieners. That's it. They were wieners. Yeah, they were you know, wieners all the time. You, Taylor. Well, I
0: know it's not like, probably but what, I'll I tell you what, whoever <laughs> came up with that creative, fuck you. What a lot of garbage.
2: Yeah, just, just trash. Believe me, FTR has already had, like, fucking itching powder and shit and shaving their backs. They, they've they dealt with this shit. We don't need to go back. Yeah, that was any- with UZOs,
0: mate. One of the greatest tag teams of the modern era.
2: Yeah, and even they couldn't make it good. Like, I love all four guys, but no, that was oh, just man. stupid. By the way, the young,
0: bucks, the young Bucks keep mouth into the camera that they're the best, still the best. You're not they've even- never been. You've never been the best tag team in the world. You aren't even the best tag team in your own company, not even close. The Uzos alone, and I'm not a WWE mark by any means, but if anyone can honestly sit there and tell me that the Uzos are not a far superior tag team in every sense to the Young Bucks, I'd be flabbergasted. They're a knockoff of the Hardy Boys from way back when, um, with frankly even worse. Ability in terms of entertainment. Literally, they've made their entire living and gimmick, and well done to them for it, but their entire living and their entire gimmick has been made off of the idea of them being anti-authority, you know, oh Jim Cornette hates us, so we're gonna do even more dumb shit. Oh, have you ever watched Being the Elite? It is fucking I've I've never never watched bad. It's actually bad. What it is is a lot of frat boys following each other around with cameras. And people can say, oh well, you guys are just a bunch of you know frat boy dickheads, whatever it might be, talking about wrestling. The difference is I'm not contracted to a professional wrestling company and asked to behave in a manner that is befitting of somebody who is... Do you know what? If you are one of the best in the world, try acting like it. Because, do you know what? When I think about best in the world in any kind of wrestling standpoint, never mind tag teams, I think about guys like Undertaker and Ric Flair and Bret Hart and Stone Cold and The Rock. And then when it comes to tag teams, I think of Edge and Christian. I think about... Some of the older stuff as well, of course, with, you know, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas and so many historic takes of the Legion of Doom, the road warriors. You're not even close. You're not even top five of the modern generation. Proud and powerful, better workers, more exciting, better mic workers. There are so many good. The Lucha Brothers do your stuff better than you ever could. And not only that, they look the fucking part. And I'm so tired. You know, it's got to that point now where anyone who's a massive AEW apologist, they wouldn't just shove the Young Bucks down your throat. It's like, yeah, well, we've got the Young Bucks. Oh, they're amazing because they upset. But the reason they upset people is because we're bored of seeing the same shtick. You are B-Tech Hardy boys. Sorry. Move along. You know? You want to be cool? You want to be interesting? Try doing something other than just being elitist douchebags. (laughs) It's boring. And so many tag teams have done it and done it better than you. It's really poor. Neither of them can talk to save their lives. Neither of them wrestle a a style that I'm interested in. There are so many guys, even in AEW, who do their style so much better than them. When I've seen Ray Phoenix and Penta wrestle, why would I then want to watch the Young Bucks? And the fact that someone like Jim Ross can sit on commentary and fawn over the way he does is actually quite sad and quite embarrassing at this point in his life and his career. So, yeah, um, I don't want to make it an I hate Young Bucks thing, but this main event, although it wasn't a terrible match by any means, you know, every match delivered a certain extent, it felt very sloppy. The ending was a bit all over the place. And I just think it's so deflating and so disappointing to know that they've just given us the Young Bucks versus FTR on a whim. No real passion, no real build. WrestleMania 17 with my way, this is not...
1: Yeah, yeah. This is a complete <laughs> joke. Um, I hate the ending. You know, they're alluding to how Private Party beat the Young Bucks and then the Young Bucks roll up Mark... No, it wasn't Mark Quinn. It was Isaiah Cassidy. Oh, by the way, um, his
0: shoulders were fucking miles off the canvas before oh, yeah. three. So I would hope they're going to... Because they just... You know, commentary has a fucking duty to make sure like the first thing that I am passionate about, do not fucking treat your audience like idiots. And the fact that you tried to pretend that like oh yeah, that was just a simple roll up. Bullshit. Go back and watch it. Honestly, go back and watch it. It is daylight clear that he has got his shoulders off by some margin. It is actually quite embarrassing that you know, they would allow that to go unchecked. And if there isn't ramifications for that, or at least some sort of storyline that's built into that, the private party were essentially robbed because of a ridiculous, I'm assuming it was a shoot issue and they just made a mistake, but yeah, or he over-rotated, whatever, either way, it's a mistake. His shoulders weren't down.
1: Right. Um, my other thing about this is that I don't care. I, when it first happened, FTR and the Bucks, you know, they were going through and fuck the revival and all this shit. It was fun. It was awesome because they were on different, you know, you never thought they would actually wrestle each other. You always thought, oh, it's just playful banter. Now that they're actually going to try and do this and they're doing it at, I'm sorry, full gear to me is not a top pay per view not a top pay-per-view you want a top pay-per-view you want this rivalry to happen you put it on what you would consider your wrestlemania so all out or double or nothing or one of them you don't put it on full gear or revolution or whatever the hell else fucking b-rated pay-per-views they can come up with You put it on a prominent pay-per-view and you put it in a prominent spot with this build that they've done for full gear for the bucks and FTR. As much as it kills me to say this, I don't even want to watch because I love FTR. I love them in WWE. I love them in NXT. I wish they would have went to impact honestly, because I think they would have had a hell of a, uh, shift in impact against oh i don't know the guns the north just saying but they're here they're in AEW they're having to pretty much the only reason they're doing this is for ratings and if unless this is some way of getting the bucks to lose and then to fuck off our screens for the rest of existence let them go into the back and maybe they do the booking for tag teams or something i don't know but <sighs> i don't care and honestly they weren't even the best tag team in this match as much as everybody gives them shit and as much as everybody hates them john silver and alex reynolds to me was the best tag team in this match and god damn it they deserve to be in a prominent title match and
0: yeah yeah. i mean i will say one thing as much as i like reynolds and silver and they work very hard that's not going to draw any money (laughs) like that's not drawing any money you stick them in and also they can't face that what what pisses me off as well is this complete hodgepodge this mess of how to book face and heel ftr clearly heals right um so coming into this young bucks have been behaving reprehensibly super kicking old men and officer bar Brady backstage, but I forgot his name now. um, Alex Marvis, um, just generally behaving like tossers. We are told that, Oh, they're douchebags. They're whining. Oh, all they care about is money. Look at how flippant they are, how obnoxious they are. Oh, they're so good at being heels. Fucking terrible, but they are heels nonetheless. So, Your biggest marquee match, other than the AEW Heavyweight Championship, is two heel teams going after each other for the Tag Team Championship. Where's the investment? Why am I supposed to, as a wrestling fan, particularly if I'm going to be a supermark, which I don't have a problem being because I enjoy, you know, just letting it be kayfabe and enjoying the product, for what it is. Where's my emotional investment? Who am I supposed to root for? I can't root for FTR. That's not the idea, even though obviously from a complete, you know, non-Cate standpoint, I will do because they're so superior. And I like to see the best be the best of what they do. But, you know, from a standpoint, I mean, try explaining this to a young kid watching this product. And then we're supposed to feel sorry for them because they got ambushed at the end. Well, no, because they behaved in a manner that is unruly. So they got what they deserved. So RFTR doing face work while being heel. Um, and also I found it very eerily strange that there was a lot of things that happened in this main event, which mirrored the ending of the main event of NXT. It's almost like these two knew each other's booking going into the end. The only difference is that we got a far more impactful and exciting and far more evidential Appearance of what is a face and what is a heel in the main event of NXT, which obviously we're about to discuss in a moment. I just the whole thing feels really flat to me, it's very disappointing. That being said, I want to end on a positive, and the positive is that this episode of Dynamite was one of the best ones I've seen for many, many moons, and um, I think that most things, even the things that I didn't like still provided a level of entertainment and quality that's actually been sorely lacking on this product. This product is not above criticism. And the argument I always hear from people when someone says they don't like AEW is, oh, yeah, well, if WWE did this, you know, you hate it, or, or vice versa, you know. Oh, if WWE did this, you think it was the greatest thing ever. No, not at all. Nobody is above criticism. Nobody is above... The ability to put on a proper professional wrestling show the best they can for the audiences. The ratings were down again. That's probably got something to do with election material, sports, you know, football back in the run, whatever. I don't care. They don't mean anything mm-hmm. anyway. But you know what? I want to see both shows thrive. And if to me it feels like one show isn't deserving. Of having a high rating and the other one Is and somehow isn't getting it That's how it feels a lot of the time So you know Dynamite really good this week The question will be Are they going to maintain momentum Or are they going to go back to doing some dumb booking Further down the line That's going to jeopardize and hamper My ability to enjoy the show
1: I do want to bring up That we did uh, have yeah. one women's match That we didn't even talk about because it was The reason was the we didn't talk about show. it Is because
0: nobody cares
1: Right, it was a shit show. Like, wh- where was Hikaru uh, She is supposed to be your AEW women's champion. And uh, she wasn't even anywhere near
0: this. How it's comparable. How any AEW... Honestly, if you're an AEW... And I've got no problem with women supporting women. AEW heels, that's all very well and good. Someone who's very near and dear to my heart is a part of that, as everybody knows, and that's fine. But I'm sorry... This women's division is trash. How you could, what like, we watched both shows. I loved both shows. Well, NXT and AEW both killed it this week. However, holy shit, when you look at the women's content and the way it was delivered on NXT, by comparison, AEW was actually quite embarrassing. Watching NXT's women's division this week was like sipping on a fine bottle of Magnum champagne in a high roller suite, a presidential suite, you know, a penthouse of sorts. And then watching AEW's offering with Britt Baker and insert jobber and Reba at ringside, uh, was more like having a can of red stripe in a homeless man's alley. It was so, so, so night and day. And people can say all they want. Oh, my God. Britt Baker is so entertaining. She is actually relatively entertaining. She's very funny as well. And she delivers a fairly decent promo. But I'll tell you one thing. Her wrestling has still not improved that much. A little bit, but not that much. Botchy, sloppy, poor worker. And for fuck's sake, where are all the other high-quality women you have to offer? Where the fucking hell is your women's champion? Because even when Moxie doesn't turn up, we hear from him every week. We hear from your stars every week. So there must be something there that says that this company doesn't care. And I want to know, I want to hear... You know, I hear that Kenny Omega books the women's division. If that's true, I want you to stick your fucking neck out and explain to me why you don't give women prominent position, why Anna Jay is walking around beautiful as she is and also a credible threat and a good wrestler doing jack shit. And I don't want to hear excuses of, yeah, well, half our women's division is injured. Who fucking who look at some of the injuries that NXT's women have sustained and not once has their division missed a beat. And I don't want to hear the excuse of, yeah, well, you know, NXT's had all this. stuff. No, I'm sorry. You knew perfectly well that you were going to be doing a TV show. You knew months in advance of this. You went out and spent ungodly amounts of money on so many trash bag, hoe bag wrestlers that are about a buck fifty who can jump off of their roofs. You spent all that money on them. You were able to amass one of the most incredible on paper tag team divisions of all time in, you know, a matter of months. And yet you couldn't find more than two or three credible women's wrestlers that were big stars. Absolutely ridiculous tessa blanchard is floating around in the job market right now she should be you should be throwing every amount of money possible i don't want to hear people say oh well she's not a very nice person i don't give a shit she is a superstar she is one of the best women's wrestlers of the modern era she can out wrestle the majority of men on a card she needs to be in this show where the fuck are all these incredible independent talents all these amazing British women's wrestlers that haven't had the opportunity to work for maybe an NXT UK. There is no excuse. The talent pool is huge for high quality women. And the fact of the matter is also, you have women like Penelope Ford, Big Swole, who I'm not a fan of, but is still relatively entertaining. You have Diamante, you have You're not You can't make the excuse that every single one of these people is injured. Put them on your show, show people you care about women's wrestling, or just do away with it. Because right now, that women's championship is redundant. And the only reason anyone cares about it is because Hikaru Shida has worked her ass off to make it look credible in the matches she's had. But it is an uphill battle, and I feel sorry for that woman because she has worked her nuts off. Where the hell is Nyla Rose? Where the hell is Tainara Conti? They can't all be injured. Use them, or get off, the, you know, it's a case of shit, or get off the pot. You're not doing anything right now. Make a fucking decision. If you're not that passionate about women's wrestling, just fucking take it off the show and let those women go and be fucking brilliant elsewhere because there are plenty of places Impact will pick them up and they will do a magnificent job. But all the shitting we give Impact Wrestling, not us personally, but so many people are like, yeah, it's t it's rubbish, whatever. Their women's division shits all over this. It's embarrassing. And Impact is a place that I imagine doesn't have a fraction of the money Available or the security available to give their women like AEW does. There's no excuse for this, Tony Khan. You should be put on the fucking hot seat for this. You're spending all this time wanking yourself silly over Fulham getting a draw on your fucking Twitter account. Maybe do some fucking work when it comes to this company that you are supposed to run. Instead of being a sweaty mark and giving people like Orange Cassidy a fucking hand job on the side every week, in you know because you are spending way too much fucking time looking after people who aren't stars and allowing great talents, hardworking women sit on the sidelines and do nothing. I am tired of watching your show and seeing loads of women wearing masks, sitting in the front row, or standing there, having to give a tiny, minimal amount of input as an audience member. How fucking demeaning to a division that should be strong. You told everybody, oh, women are going to get... Equal fucking opportunities in this company. We've got a brand officer in Brandy Roads, chief brandy officer. (laughs) You know, you said to us you were gonna give us these things. Okay? Now, if you come out and said, you know what, we're not that hot on women's wrestling, I would have been happy about it, but I would have understood because this is exactly what you would give us if you want hot on women's wrestling. I'm sorry, but there's no excuse. And I'm so fucking sick of AW marks and AW apologists who think that this company is absolutely above criticism because we don't have anyone who would dare rock the boat like WWE. We don't have anyone like Matt Redd or, oh no, none of our wrestlers would ever do something so appalling. And if they do, we'll send them to sensitivity training. When they come back, they'll be wonderful human beings and they'll have learned from their mistakes because over here, we're all about, you know, rehabilitation and looking after people everybody is all-inclusive everyone should be having a good time now fuck you take the people who deserve it most and put them at the front of the line not mr i put my hands in my pockets not mr freak show four foot tall dwarf fucking well use the right talents and use them properly and another thing Stop putting your prominent tag teams and world class wrestlers in dumb, fucking, stupid comedy segments like oh, dressed as a weenie. Yeah, that's really going to get in the ratings. Tony totally can't pull your fucking head out of your ass, you stupid little shitbag.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he's such a mark for himself, you know. It. Like it's just, it's not good. So I would like to steer this you conversation. Shame a man look like
0: a fucking legend. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'd like to steer this conversation somewhere a little more fun and we've been talking about how bad the women were represented in dynam- on dynamite let's dynamite. talk about how good let's talk about how good the women were represented on nxt this week yeah uh, I, i'd like to start with just she was she didn't even wrestle it was just a small segment between uh, mr and mrs wrestling just johnny and candace trying to practice spitting the wheel for, the, for their matches. And I thought that's.
0: Spin way. this right here to represent yeah. it.
2: It's just great watching Johnny get frustrated. It's like, I don't, it's all chance. I don't I know don't how to do like it. don't
1: like wheels. I hate
2: wheels. <laughs> and <laughs> just Candace's facial expressions, just like, I am I married this guy. This is this is my life now. Yeah. But just even that alone is better than what Dynamite has done for months. I mean, sure, the Thunder Rosa Hikaru Shida match was t- incredible, obviously. Yeah. But
0: that's because, because... Of someone from a different company.
2: <laughs> exactly. It was the women's champion from another company. Now you have a bunch of women in dynamite. You're just not using them. So fucking that doesn't matter. Cause NXT. I just, i to bring this up again. You talk about how the plethora of, in- of injuries, the women's division NXT had Tegan Knox is down again with another leg injury. Like that girl's leg must be made of butter like obviously i i love tegan knox i hope she comes back quick i hope she has a really long career but at this point you gotta
0: you gotta be careful right yeah but yeah i've, yeah, I've seen it with other wrestlers kid like us over here was rich wrestling and tore Tory's shoulder i think for a fourth time and just called it a day because it just felt like it was never going to improve and he'd go through months and months of torment and rehab and it Just it breaks your heart, it does, and for someone as lovely as Tegan Knox, Nixon Newell, of course, on the British Independent scene you know, the shiniest of all Welsh wizards. Um, just a lovely human being, someone I've met, someone I've seen regularly. Um, just you know, it disappoints you, and let's be honest, a talent that is tenfold anything AW has to offer. And,
2: and, and now, I mean, we have you know, Shossi Blackheart is hosting Halloween Havoc next week, which is just fantastic she's she's lovely but even just we've still got uh raquel gonzalez and rhea ripley is it a steel oh, cage next week
0: yeah you know, I, I, I tell you what i love raquel gonzalez and she really stuck her neck out for me this week when she came out that promo was good man it was fire There was and this is a woman who has an, an opportunity to bust her chops on the microphone like so many others I tell you what talk about do you know what i love about nxt's talent and particularly their women that even if they have a small opportunity, they make it count and they come out of it looking like stars, you know. Jesse, uh, I think it's Jesse Kamen um, or Jesse Komen, or however they want to pronounce Kamea. it, Kameo, thank you, who um wrestled Ember Moon. You know, I kind of thought, uh oh, like because I've seen Jesse before, follow her on social media, she's such a lovely human being, just and she brought the fire and the energy in what was an amazing sleeper hit match with ember moon who by the way has just come back with a vengeance and it's even oh fuck, i think i thought she was one of the best workers and best in-ring psychologists in women's wrestling in modern history before she got injured she's on a fucking another level she has literally just spent all of her rehab becoming a adamantium tank of african-american wrestling i am so fucking thrilled to see that I'm here for all this content. Candice LeRae killing it from an entertainment standpoint and from a fucking violence standpoint in a rivalry of E.O. Shirai, which is, by the way, going to be fucking phenomenal. Again, spin that wheel all day. doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm, sure you pu- of I'm sure you really popped
2: what uh, Dakota Kai just kicked Ember Moon in the face sure you popped for that i think that would be a hell of a lot
0: of me popped for that to be (laughs) fair i um (laughs) oh my god ember moon versus dakota kai (laughs) i um that's gonna be that's that's that could main event mania for me and i'd have no problem whatsoever that should be a takeover main event stick them in a cage, let them murder each other. Raquel Gonzalez versus Rhea Ripley. Who would have thought my meaty hoss erection would find its way to the women's division of NXT as well? Meaty hoss battles. Everything about their rivalries, the matches, the quality, the promos is lights out. This is, by far and away, the most well-put-together Most entertaining product in the world of wrestling right now. I honestly, and I I think I'm enjoying it even more because I've, you know, I had a bit of a break watching NXT. It's not available in the UK anymore like it used to be. You can't watch it live on the network. You've got to wait about a week before it's available, if not more, because of the. Uh, time difference and obviously where it, uh, I believe it is on USA which means that obviously it's very difficult to access which is why I watch Dynamite because one thing I will give Dynamite a lot of credit for very very smart streaming it to your international viewers for a very small price I think, porn, I think it's five dollars a month I think that's very reasonable to watch a decent quality of wrestling a month of course when they book it properly but I tell you what, watching NXT in full and seeing the level of quality, the way they work, this was just from start to finish a different animal. And I've got to say as well, this Capitol Arena kind of thing, this almost underground fight set they got going on. This is how I've said this on several occasions on the audio podcast. This is how Raw Underground should have been. Raw Underground should have been this. This is fantastic. This cage they had real fans in. Anyone notice our good girl Smiley? sitting in the uh, standing in the front row rattling the thing yep yeah, she was there um, she was there last week as well go back and watch it uh, she's losing her mind as Tommaso Champa literally murders people at ringside cheers everything hit so well honestly I swear to god everyone in NXT said but Aaron X on the Wrestle plug, he loves all of us. Let's put on a show that he will literally love from start to finish because this was, like, the most perfectly booked show for me, personally, I've ever seen. Um, I just – I can't get over it. All of my favourites won. All the people I wanted to achieve something won. All my favourites were there. It was entertaining. It was funny. Everybody came off looking like a badass or a shitbag. Oh, it's just – it, from start, I coughed, honestly, I'm just borderline sexually aroused by this product. Fucking awesome, and yeah, oh. what well, an opener as well. That trip I was just going to yeah. say. Let's uh, let's get to that.
2: Get Let, let's there. get to the fact that both Tommaso champa and Kushida oh. were murdering Velveteen Dream. Jesus just, Christ! Just, just murdering the poor bastard. Why would I say poor bastard? Because that'd make me feel like I pity him. Like, we all know all that shit that's been alleged towards young Velveteen Dream. Fine, whatever. I mean, am I happy to see him on the product? No. It's the same reaction I have with Matt Riddle. But for for Wednesday specifically, I didn't mind because he got 10 pounds of shit kicked out of him. Like, Champa, you know, Champa goes hard. That man. He is.
1: He was on another level. Style.
2: He is strong style for NXT right now. Like his running knees are fucking violent. Like I don't know if he's doing any leg slapping or something. Like it's fucking they're gnarly. And seeing Kushida on this new vicious streak, and he, I think he's still a face. But mm-hmm. I mean, if not, the crowd cheer him like a face for what he did to Dream take
0: Takeover. <laughs> but and he got the for it- win over Champer. That's a yeah, big that's deal.
2: huge. Champa yes. was the was in the last three years. Champa has been the most overact in NXT. I don't care what anyone says. No, no one else could have come down to the ring in silence, except he didn't have silence because his theme song was the crowd booing him. Who else could draw that sort of reaction? you remember- No, that was cricket. Fuck <laughs> off. Oh, <God. laughs> Absolute crickets. You
0: leave well, Kozlov alone now. A very famous actor, actually, if you can believe that.
2: I mean, he, he had some good com- comedic chops with Santino, but that's probably yeah. just because Santino Morales is hilarious. The tea hilarious. party in
0: the UK, mate. Like, <laughs> you haven't lived until you've seen that. that. That's how you do comedy properly. If they'd broken out with me and my shadow, I would have just called it a day there and retired. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's all you need. So now we just... I don't know, man. This, this show in general, you've said it already, but just perfectly booked, top to bottom. We had Xia Lee going a little mental. She needed some <laughs> wins. She didn't. She lost to uh, KZ Catanzaro. Beat the crap out of her after. This show had at least three women's segments and two matches and then just building up for the, the huge match next week. Still building up for the match at TakeOver. I mean... <sighs> all of Dynamite was subpar in comparison to just the women's stuff on NXT. Yeah, And then
0: Absolutely. when you look at
2: what the men did, like, you know, the main event, we had a tag team championship match. And I mean, it does break my heart a little. Just a little, because I love the boys. We got new NXT tag team champions. And yes. Danny Birch and Andy Lurkin, fucking throw them up, lads. Throw them up. Let's go.
0: Okay. But Strong style break, mate. Come on.
2: And they're
1: it's aligned, about damn time.
2: And they're aligned with Pat McAfee.
1: Oh, don't oh, ruin it. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Yeah, this
2: is brilliant. This, I love this is, it. This is continuity because there was supposed to be Breezango against the Undisputed Era. First, I believe it was. Uh, Bobby Fish, I got taken out, like something with his knees. We all know yep. he has bad knees. And then Roddy had the shit kicked out of him. And Regal's like, Kyle, you could find someone else. And Kyle's like, nah, fam, UE for life. So then we got, uh, we got the boys. This is perfect continuity because, you know, McAfee had that match with Cole, which was a lot better than it had any right to be. I actually really enjoyed it. And now he's with these two guys. We can assume McAfee maybe took out Undisputed Era. I think you could kind of assume, but uh, yeah. I'm sure they'll probably reveal that next week, maybe.
0: Bit of a unit that boy as well, like you know. Yeah, Matt, he's a big not- boy. Lorcan and Birch aren't the biggest guys in the world. Anyone who's seen it, I've got a lovely photo on my social media with Martin Stone, a.k.a. Danny Birch, the governor. Uh, nice to see Wade. Wade Barrett as well comes from that ilk and that time period that Danny Birch came from. And you could feel that passion, that elevation of emotion in his voice because he knows how hard it's been for him especially. Danny Birch is not your atypical wrestler. I literally had to stop myself crying when they won the tag team championships because I love Lorcan. I think he's fantastic, but Danny Birch especially one of the kindest and coolest human beings. I mean, you see him at wrestling shows. I watched him regularly working for places like Red Pro, um, working over here, Diligently, he was one of those guys who was putting in a shift when wrestling wasn't that cool, wasn't that popular. He was the guy who would go out there and work in front of 20, 30 people, get a reaction, passionate. He worked with so many people. I've seen him tag with Sammy Callahan. I've seen him work some of the highest end matches you could ask for and also some of the lowest. And he has never given up on his dream, even though he has, I believe, at times felt like he might call it a day. And, you know, Their heels, that's fine by me. I think they actually work far better as heels. Their style is very cognizant of a heel in the ring, very physical. I think Pat McAfee is a masterful choice to be put alongside them because whether we like it or not, he is a phenomenal talker. He is entertaining, and his credibility in the match he had with Adam Cole means that you take him far more seriously than you would some foe half our celebrity, and this is also someone who was a legitimate athlete, an individual who worked in the NFL, and people can say, yeah, punter, kicker, all this kind of stuff. I'm sorry. You still have to be a prominent and high-quality athlete, high-caliber to work in that environment. And do you know what? I Just everything hits so well here, and the one thing Pat McAfee can do that maybe Lorcan and Birch aren't as strong at, and even I'm sure Danny would admit if he had the opportunity and say so, he will be able to offer the sports entertainment-esque talking, the ability. He will be, in many ways, their Paul Heyman. This is a phenomenal choice. It is exciting. Zango losing is, like you say, very disappointing, but it's also a great testament to them that they were willing to work as hard as they could in transition to put these belts onto Danny Birch and only Lorcan, and also The fact that they were given the opportunity, they came back down to NXT, went through all of the horrendous booking choices. But, you know, fashion Files being cut short was a massive travesty, one of the most entertaining things that has happened in modern memory, particularly on SmackDown. And for them to, you know, work so beautifully, it might be, for my money, one of the greatest transitional champions of all time in wrestling. And they were phenomenal in such a short space of time. And they are guys who are like, do you know what? We'd rather come down to NXT and help put all these guys over and have banger matches than sit there doing literally jack shit because Vince McMahon is terrified of anything that isn't uber, uber masculine. How someone like Lars Sullivan can find himself in a prominent position that these two couldn't for so many years is a fucking embarrassment and a testament to the fact that WWE's booking can be just as atrocious as AEW's at the best of times. But this is such a feel-good moment and it wasn't like you know there was so much to dig into with this as well literally you know we're in trick or treat season plenty of treats available here and plenty of tricks available too and oh just what a magnificent ending everything that was wrong about the way they ended the tag team match on AEW was completely role reversed in the ending to this nxt honestly it's For anyone, who, particularly being British, being so passionate about British wrestling and that independence scene, how you couldn't be emotionally moved to see Danny Burch finally achieve something as special as that is, you know, you'd have to have a heart of stone or mind stone as he's called on the British independence scene. This is an awesome, awesome time to be a British wrestling fan if you like Danny Burch. And it's an awesome time to be a fan of NXT because they don't seem to be slowing down and the funny thing is while AEW are obsessed with banging on about ratings and demo gods and everything else NXT is just very slowly working hard working away and you know what's great they have all these world-class matches and yet they still bring their best to NXT TakeOver because they don't spunk it on their weekly show like AEW does brilliant absolutely brilliant.
2: and we even about like we haven't even mentioned the fact that you know everyone knows Finn Balor's hurt like their NXT champion has, you know, has isn't on the show, but they're still having these, you know, four star matches every week. You no, know, sure, there's there are some matches obviously that don't hit. I hadn't even that thought just...
0: that, that champion wasn't on it. That it, shows how exactly. Good show exactly. I didn't even fucking. I don't even. I didn't think even in preparation for this podcast. Oh, I didn't see Finn Balor this week because he's got a broken jaw don't have to care because the star power is so fucking overwhelming. I mean, Tommaso Chamber alone can carry a company. He's out there putting on, I mean, that opening triple threat is one of the best triple threats I've seen in recent memory. It's incredible.
2: I mean, I'd probably, <laughs> I probably, I think I could probably put it in my top five, just triple threats in general, just because it was, you know, it was so, so good. The story just, again, maybe it's a bit of a guilty pleasure, but watching dream have the shit kicked out of him <laughs> popped every time. It was, that was such a good way to open the show.
0: Like, they the opened strong. Did you enjoy yeah. the uh, six-man tag car crash we had with Legado Del Fantasma versus the boys? Um, yes. Do you know what? Yeah. And if Fantasma you, got the win,
2: which uh, I mean, I expect.
0: Yeah, Joaquin but, Wild yeah. picking up the win is something yeah, that's I'm huge. really thrilled about. That's huge because that's. Do you know what's lovely about that? That is a case of them saying, "Do you know what? I don't need just because I'm the champion, just because I'm the spearhead, just because I'm the leader of this group. Doesn't mean that we can't afford to share some of the spoils, share some of the riches." Joaquin Wild, he immediately comes out looking even more legit and more strong. Now you know that when he's in the match, he's not just there to back up. The boys, he's not just there to be a bitch. He can pick up wins, he can get one for the team. He looks more credible, he looks dangerous. Would like to see them build Wilder Mendoza for the tag team division as a super heel Mexican kind of group. I'd like to see them go down a more, shall we say, cartel-based evolution angle. I'm very excited about the potential of these guys. And I I raged crazy about Santos Escobar. On the NXT takeover coverage after his magnificent match with Swerve. This is a man who has the opportunity to sm- and I tell you what, Latin wrestling, the dynamic of it, and obviously everything that came before it, the fucking ground that Eddie and Ray paved to make it. And now look at these guys. We've got Angel Garza, we've got Andrade, we've got Legado del Fantasma. There's just an absolute spoil of, you know, a sport of riches when it comes to Latin wrestling the identity of it is all over wwe and it is so well done never ever turn your nose up at the latin heritage and what mexico and latin america in general has given to the wrestling scene and this is another level and another layer to that to be brave enough to turn up to take off your mask and to (sighs) attach yourself so emotionally and so willingly to this gimmick and to make it work the way it does to dress the way they do to present themselves the way they do and yet still go in the ring and present that lucha fire that difference lucha isn't about flipping around like a lunatic it's about an identity it's about the way you present yourself it's about the way you wrestle it's not about flipping it's about the way you look body shape body form, culture history People like Angelica are a good example of that. Someone who's truly learned that example. Penta is a great example of that. Someone who's a hybrid athlete. Someone who's adapted from his time in Japan. Ray Phoenix, although an insane high flyer. If there is method to being a luchador. There is always method to that. There is method to being part of that lucha heritage. Luchador, lucha libre, lucha athlete. These are all different things under the same umbrella. And I'm fucking thrilled. And I just, I love the carnage of this match. And also, Shout out to Jake Atlas, somebody who a lot of people have been giving a lot of grief to. You know, a lot of people giving him shit online, saying he's boring, he's got no fucking potential. That's been the idea. The idea was, with his gimmick, oh, you know, he's a bit of a whiny little bitch, oh, you know, he's a bit too nice. Now he's like, look at the firing, and he's grabbed the champion, he's screaming at him, I want your belt, I'm coming for you. You know, his homage, another guy with Latin heritage as well, the homage to Eddie Guerrero, the... Fire the you know he was really much the glue in his team because it was three individuals versus three men in a team so to speak you know it was it was very very cool got three like, <laughs> guns versus the cartel I fucking loved it. I swear, I don't remember yeah, the spot yeah,
2: exactly, yeah, but he yeah. like he had a really sick spot out in the corner. I don't remember what it was.
0: You remember the Spanish fly when um, Matey goes over the top rope and he catches him halfway? They almost botched it, but to be fair, it was so crazy that they would attempt that spot that I was just gobsmacked. He goes to kind of tope, and as he does, uh, I think his atlas is on the ring apron, catches him mid-air in a Spanish fly, and then they land on the rest of the guys in front of the announce table. Wade Barrett's just like, Ooh! <laughs> It's fucking great, man! So good.
1: Can we just Jake Atlas' finisher, that rainbow DDT as he calls it, fucking
0: phenomenal, devastating. That and if if he's insane, that, he did that off the that, announce table, didn't he? Holy yes. shit! That cartwheel into like the oh my god! I remember just being like, what? Because I've never seen that, and I've seen. Could you life.
1: imagine? Could you imagine if he like he just spiked somebody? It's just oh my god it's just, Jake Atlas for me should be the next obviously the next contender to you know Santos Escobar but bringing up Santos Escobar and Legado del Fantasma you I I know Kyle I don't know did you watch Lucha Underground
2: I've seen like bits and pieces of it was on Netflix for a while but I never Okay. watch it religiously just
1: because it seems so silly. I know that was the point, but <laughs> it's just... Santos Escobar reminds me of Dario Cueto. Mm. He is El Jefe.
0: Actually, uh, technically, if we're talking about El Jefe, that goes to... Uh... Uh, Tessa Blanchard's partner, Daga, but because that's. Well, actually yeah. I actually got his t-shirt around here somewhere. Actually, no, I might as well plug Daga's gear. You, so no, nobody I buys our t shirt so let's plug Daga's t-shirts instead. This could you
1: imagine on. Daga in Legato del Fantasma? Well, he has been released from his Impact
2: contract.
0: Look at that beauty! Look at that.
2: Oh, I like that. Fucking
0: beautiful. I bought this from Daga himself. um Uh, Super strong style Progress, uh, I met him and Aerostar, who were the only two wrestlers uh, behind the table, because I was basically, I was in a bad mood that David Starr beat Jordan Devlin in the final, and how awkward is that now, when you consider that pairing? Oh, Jesus. Um, And I was so bitter, I thought, so me and my partner were like, right, do you know what, I'm going to go and see what wrestlers around these two guys would have. They were just – and I was so thrilled to talk the they are with these guys and talk about Mexican wrestling because I'm obsessed with Mexican wrestling. It was just – it was cool. So, yeah, don't disrespect El Jefe like that, man. it'll well, come for you. Or oh, no, I, I,
1: I am and all for Daga. Son.
0: I am all for Daga. And, That's again, it's... That's a guy who I'd like to see, actually, in this NXT division. Can you imagine if yeah, um, I the Ricardo could... Del Fantasma brought in Daga? Fucking yes, please. Exactly. You know, if Tessa Blanchard's going to WWE, Dagger will probably be there too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh my god, could you imagine? Rhea? Power Rifley, couple, mate.
0: Rhea Ripley versus Andrade and Rod- Selena versus Dagger and Tessa Blanchard is like the oh! awesome, like into the tag match. Man. Fucking you know, hell! I mean, you won't get it for a while because except no, friends, no, but... definitely not. But oh, mate, can I be... just say? Can we just say, like, this is basically the Latin hour of the Wrestle plug? Latin wrestling is fucking amazing. Let's not fucking forget about the boys like Trey Miguel, man, who's putting it out there as well. You know, just because you may be not born in it, so don't forget Proud and Powerful, what they're doing. You know, the Lucha Brothers, Eddie Kingston, all of these people have a Latin identity. Even the guys who might not necessarily think of, Austin Theory, who quit on NXT this week after he got, by the way, but I have not seen Bronson Reed's new entrance until this week, and I can confirm that I was most definitely erect during this entire entrance. Uh, Jonah Rock from the Independence scene, one of my favourite all-time powerhouses. I am loving what they're doing with Bronson Reed. He's gone from being this big guy in a singlet that nobody really cared about, despite being world-class in terms of talent, to being legitimately one of their most dangerous powerhouse threats. Do you know what? He's just dropped straight into that slot that Keith Lee had as the big, meaty, hot of the division. I love that. He's just stepped right in and man, the way he just. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Battering Austin Fury twice and then Fury throwing his toys out and just quitting. But I love it. Interesting to see where it goes. I don't know what they're going to do with Fury down the line. I think they're going to release him. Really? I think that's why they've done that.
1: I. He hasn't really done anything. He is he was in in Evolve, he was the longest reigning Evolve champion. And he was a big name in Evolve. But in NXT and in WWE, he has flattered to deceive.
0: Yeah, he feels like he's just an athlete. Um, which is a shame because I don't think his mic works terrible. Uh, I thought he was very amusing on the mic here. You know, he kind of channeled that. It was like a kind of, it was almost like an independent answer to the Dolph Ziggler-Goldberg thing where he just kept coming down and spearing him, um, which was very, very strange. But I, um, I, you know, if they release him, that's a shame. I'm sure Austin Theory will do well on the independent scene, nonetheless. And the good thing about being released by a company like this is, you find yourself now with more opportunities. There's other places to go, and also it'll build your stock again for the Indies. You can, you know, you where are, like take to see Austin theory.
1: I would love to see Austin Theory go to the X Division and impact.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, okay. he's perfect for that. You know, a place where he yeah. can apply himself as a wrestler more so than anything else. Uh, yeah. Carl Wilkinson froze. He looks like no, oh, no, he you. Literally, your head was in like the same position for so long. <laughs> I thought you'd frozen. Um, no, but no, 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 I know you love Bronson Reed. So I wanted to hear what you thought about, you know, the uh, he's, he's becoming. Is there's a meteoric rise here? And very much like Keith Lee, it's being done the right way. It's not being forced down our throats. Nice slow burn to being one of the better hosses in all of WWE.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I'm like you. I love some big meaty hoss wrestling it just it hits different doesn't it it's just it's great and bronson reed like i'm i was not super familiar with uh jota rock like i i knew the name but it wasn't something that i was really all like all adverse to so i a lot of his stuff i'm seeing for the first time so it's really 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 cool and yeah, like that, his new entrance is cool. He just comes in, he's like 300 pounds. He just comes in and squishes you. I mean, I'm hoping that they can, you know, continue this, build it up the right way. I mean, he could he could be uh, an, a future NXT champion, give him a year or so. Mm-hmm. I think if they build it right, he could absolutely be the big meaty Haas champion that Keith Lee was. I mean, sure, he only was champion for like, know a month but it doesn't matter because it was all he needed because it's not all about the quantity sometimes about it's about the quality and i think he could be a quality champion even you know if he's just another big guy that's transitioning it to this huge monster heel fine you don't have to hold the title forever but i think he he has such a big upside and this nxt I'd say it's probably better than NXT was, you know, 2014, 2015. I think it's arguably, it's at least on par, if not better. Like, you look back at that roster back in 2015, you know, Balor, Joe, Nakamura, Zayn, Kevin Owens was NXT champion, and beating John Cena clean at Elimination Chamber in 2015, still NXT champion. Like, I think, the more I think of it, I think this era is better than that. And that is... <laughs> That is a huge oh, yeah. compliment. Yeah,
0: I think the depths there as well. And I think the entertainment value is even better than it ever was as well. And something I really wanted to touch upon that people may have kind of slept on a little bit was the budding romantic tag team that is Killian Dane and uh Drake Maverick, who have just again another Britrest guy in big demo, somebody who I saw, somebody I had the opportunity to be relatively close to on the scene. I got to see his last ever independent match in the UK. Uh, I have a real soft spot for Killian Dane because he really gave me hope that you know this big kind of you know unorthodox looking wrestler. You know he isn't a meaty kind of you know jacked up sort of luchasaurus type. This is a man who is a little bit more. Do you know what I've always liked about Killian Dane? For the bigger lads, he feels relatable. He feels real, and the way that Albert did to a certain extent as well when he came in, and Killian Dane. Um, I remember him having, I believe it was WrestleMania 31, which seems an age ago now, um, having that incredible turn in the Battle Royal. I think it might have been WrestleMania 31. It may have been 33. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Just this incredible ability. And he kind of got lost and left behind in the sanity thing. And the one thing that I love about NXT if you don't work out on the big main roster shows like the Roars and the SmackDowns, because I think this is on a par now. I think this is a main roster product now. I don't think this is developmental at all at, all at this point. the same. And the facts on USA proves that in a nutshell. But, you know, this gives you an opportunity to go back and, you know, tap back into the grit and the resources of being a tougher, more strong style Wrestler, and we're getting to see Killian Day and exercise something we haven't seen before, which is his comedic ability, and this this works. You know what? People spoke about Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle in such glowing terms, and how good they were as the funny and the serious side. But this is a different level. Drake Maverick has to, at some point, be appreciated as one of the best personalities wrestling has ever produced, and then again the British identity, rock star spud in FWA many moons ago. I remember the first time I saw him, we're talking for 15 years ago, I think. Saw him at a holiday camp. Absolute bonehead. (laughs) And he just thought (laughs) he was so funny, so entertaining and everything. Because to be honest, the one thing that Britain... Is able to do when it comes to wrestling so much more than people realize, other than being unbelievably serious, like a Birch or a Barrett or something of that region. They're actually very good at laughing at themselves and getting the dry humor down. The way he skips around to this ridiculous music, kidding and, and Dane's like, What is that crap? <laughs> like, I just, I love it. The way he went off. I don't. Do you know what? The two guys, they wrestled as well. Here's another good example of something NXT does, AEW does. When they put the jobbers in the ring, the jobbers still look legit. They still look credible. I had no idea who these two were. Never heard of them before. Never seen them. But they went out there and they fucking they were putting a whipping on Drake Merrier. Kicking the shite out of the poor little bastard. Was and it Chase
1: Parker other, and uh, Chase Parker and what was the tag, his tag team partner's name?
0: Exactly, that's my point. <laughs> like, you know, I know they're like, called Everize, Everize, which is quite a good name, fair enough. Huh. Um, you know, they're just there, um, but they still did an admirable job, they did their job. Do you know what? Turns out, even if you're a jobber, there's a reason you're called a jobber because you have to do a job. <laughs> and these guys go out and do a job, they don't look like no marks, you know, they and if they do, they do that well. There is a place for so many different people in wrestling, and NXT seems to find a place for everybody. And this is this is comedy gold. The way Killian Dane was like, you know, so happy that Drake Maverick had cost them the match by DQ by just going absolutely berserkers with a steel chair. It was just great entertainment fair. It was brilliant. Not at any point did I feel that NXT was too over the top. That's the one thing, AEW gets carried away with itself and it gets a bit too giddy and a bit too silly. And I never feel like NXT goes too far. It always knows just where to stop, just to hit at that peak. Because wrestling is all about timing. Wrestling is all about reacting at the right moments. You hear wrestlers speak about this all the time on podcasts about how, you know, Jericho says this all the time on Talk is Jericho. When it comes to working with younger guys, people who are inexperienced or whatever it may be, or when you're in a position of authority, you need to teach the people that you're working with when to react to the audience, when to react to the moment, when to strike at the right time so you get that right organic reaction. The masters of that are people like Chris Jericho, Sean Michaels, Bret Hart, The Undertaker, Stone Cold. They didn't have to go out there and have a 40 minute technical classic. Daniel Bryan is another great example of that. Guys who know when to hit the moves at the right time, not just chuck 55 moves in every minute, like a young do. That's what makes the difference between being brilliant at this and being okay at this. And this is where NXT and the WWE machine thrives at its best because it teaches wrestlers from the get-go. This is about creating timing, moments, organic opportunities, making people believe, making people feel they have something there because of their discipline, because of the big machine that they are. There is a responsibility to always do the best that you can, you know, and maybe it's not as loose. Maybe it's not as cool. Maybe it's not as chummy backstage as AEW is, but i tell you what, the professionalism, when it's done correctly, and we hear the good side of WWE's professionalism is absolutely unmatched in the world of wrestling today. I hate to do this, but I got to
1: go and I got to go to
0: work. Bye, Jeremy. Hey, Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Take it easy. And now we're down to two. So, Mr. Wilkinson, now that Jeremy Miller's buggered off, we can give you the genuine uh, prediction. So uh, anything else you want to talk about in terms of NXT and AEW before we preview a very big week, actually, in terms of shows? Your microphone's not working, buddy.
2: (laughs) Sorry, I, I, I keep myself muted. So, you know.
0: I don't blame. Well, uh, I don't blame it.
2: <laughs> but uh, let, let me try that again. We've gushed about NXT enough. I think. I think we gave Dynamite the shit kicking it deserves. Um, you know, there's yeah. SmackDown tonight. We have Bound for Glory on tom- uh, tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow, tomorrow night. Yeah. Yep. We've got Hell in a Cell night. on Sunday. We've there's a there's a lot of wrestling coming up in the next three days.
0: Yeah, we're going to be very, very busy. So I'll tell you what, mate, we'll go quick fire and then we'll get out of Dodge, shall we? So let's start with Bound for Glory, seeing as that's first in line, because obviously you don't want predictions for SmackDown. I'm sure that Roman Reigns and Uso will entertain us beyond belief, and that's what we all care about. So Bound for Glory 2020. Yes, indeed. This is essentially Impact Wrestling, WrestleMania. Um I believe, well, it is on pay-per-view. I don't know how to access it personally. I know you Um, can't TV.
2: I think I saw something on Twitter that uh, Impact Plus is free this weekend, so we might be able to uh, get it that way. I'll have to look into it a little more, but I think that's what I saw.
0: Um, Well, if we do find any details on that, I'll be sure to put that on all the social medias, at WrestleFlug, across Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So we'll make sure that you guys are in the loop if you are watching this before. Bound for glory takes place. So let's quickly throw some rapid fire predictions in. The Rascals, Dez and Wentz versus the Diners, Cody and cousin Jake in a tag team match.
2: Uh, I got to go with the Rascals on this one. I like the Diners, I think they're funny, mm. but uh no, nah, i got to go with the Rascals on this one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rascals as well. They're my boys. I love the Rascals. They're cheeky little monkeys, and frankly, one of the most underappreciated and underrated tag teams in the history of wrestling. Eric Young, I know this is going to be the main event, but I'm just going to read them in order so I can get for him. Nice and quick for you guys. Eric Young will defend the Impact World Championship against Rich Swann, which will most likely be the main event, I'm assuming.
2: I mean, you, you got it. I don't think Rich Swan is going to be a world champion. I mean, he's an incredible <laughs> athlete, but I just I don't see him being a world champ, so I'm going to go with eric young's probably going to retain it might be some evil shenanigans but he's going to keep it
0: the call your shot gauntlet match looks very typical tna of old clusterfuck mentality so the call your shot gauntlet match where the winner could choose any championship match of their choice if he or rhino wins then Heath also wins a full-time contract with impact wrestling if neither wins then rhino is fired interesting Uh, Hernandez will enter last, while Rhino will enter first. (laughs) Um, AC Romero, Alicia Edwards, Brian Myers, Havoc, Heath, Hernandez, Larry D, Rhino, Tire Valgris, Tenille Dashwood, Tommy Dreamer, and to be determined are the listed wrestlers here. Any idea who will win the opportunity? The fact that they've said any championship match suggests to me that it may not be used to challenge the heavyweight champion. It may actually be used to challenge possibly... For a different championship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. So, if Rhino... If Heath wins, he also gets a contract, right? That's what you said?
0: Yeah, if Heath or Rhino win this match, then Heath gets a contract. But if either of them doesn't win, Rhino gets fired. Okay, well... They've thrown quite a few stipulations into one match, which I'm never a huge fan of. Keep it simple.
2: I mean... I think I'm going to go with Heath here. I think he's going to win himself a contract and him and Ryan are going to challenge for the Impact Tag Team Championships. I think seeing them against Motor City Machine Guns could be fun, assuming they're still the champs. So, yeah, we'll we'll go with Heath on this one.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see. I'm interested to see with the intergender prospects, of course, to Neil Dashwood, which I'm excited by. Um, not only scintillating to look at, but a really credible wrestler as well for anyone who saw her work in WWE, particularly working with Asco. But yeah, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to say Heath. I don't see any, you know, what's the point? Like, there's got to be a payoff to that. So it's got to be one or the other. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. Eddie Edwards challenges Ken Shamrock with Sammy Callahan in his corner. Yeah,
2: this one's weird. I'm not sure, because Callahan and Shamrock were at each other's throws for a while. And and, and now now they're the not. With
0: Edwards as well, has Because I believe that that was the baseball bat incident, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: yeah. So, uh, I mean, I want to say Eddie Edwards because Ken a 100 and doesn't need anything from this. Hmm. But, I mean, you never know. I'm, so, I'm still going to say um, Eddie Edwards. But, I mean, honestly, this could go anywhere because they've got a hard-on for Ken Shamrock and Impact. They always have. Yeah. He was our first world champion, if I remember correctly.
0: Uh, Yeah, I believe he was. And I believe he was dethroned by Ron The Truth Killings.
2: Yeah, think about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the guy who won a title in a bin not three weeks ago. <laughs> Wrestling, strange. ec 3 versus Moose. I assume this is for the defunct, not necessarily legitimate TNA World Championship.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I, mean. I, I, I don't remember if ec 3s wrestled. I think he's had one match so far, if that. I mean, I'm going to go with EC3 either way. Just, you know, uh, the, the narrative that ec 3s had going right now, like the, you know, kill your past to uh, move on. I think that's been pretty fascinating. So I think he's probably going to take the win on this one.
0: The six-way intergender scramble match for the Impact X Division Champion, RoHit Raju. That's gone over my head. Defends the title against Chris Bay, Jordan Grace, TJP, Trey Miguel, and Willie Mack. I think they might actually give it to Jordan Grace this time because she got a pinfall victory
2: over the champ uh, two weeks ago, and then the decision was overturned for you know heel shenanigan reasons, whatever the hell those might have been. So I think because you know jordan's done almost everything she can in the women's division i think she was an incredible champion i think she carried that title with a level of poise and grace that no pun intended a lot of people hadn't seen before so i think yeah put put her in the x division i mean why the hell not i think she could have incredible matches with a lot of the smaller guys because she's such a powerhouse she can just murder those poor boys
0: yeah, I've got Jordan Grace as well. I think that makes sense. I think it'll be very exciting, and I think she can fill that exciting void in a better way than Tessa Blanchard was able to do. You know, they wanted to make such a big deal out of that that Tessa Blanchard was a woman standing alone in a you know world that is predominantly dominated by the men, and I think that Jordan Grace uh, fits that position quite nicely in her own right. And I've seen her work a lot of intergender matches. She's a legitimate freak. You know, in terms of strength, uh, she's beautiful, she's powerful, she's everything you could want from a champion, and I think she'd make a really credible champion in a division that is very famous and has a great history with giving us unique and different champions over the years. Um, The, oh, blimey, this is going to be saucy, isn't it? Four-way tag match for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. The Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban defend against the Good Brothers. Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, and Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. Uh, oh.
2: this is gonna hurt going against my boys, but I think I think the Good Brothers should take the win on this one. Well, they've gone, yeah. they've got a they had a huge amount of momentum coming in, like they were counting down until their no complete compete clause was over, so they could go. Yeah, we're gonna we're fucking showing up an impact. So, I think they need to capitalize on the fucking, the heat they've, not the heat, the momentum they've got. Uh, yeah, absolutely give to the good brothers. I mean, I am wearing my North t shirt. We always represent the boys, but. Boss.
0: I want one of those. Josh Alexander, if you ever watch this, hit me up, brother. I will give you I mean, tons and, of money for that.
2: And his Canadian strong style hat. No big yeah, deal. Just represent the fucking
0: boys. Saucy as well, that is.
2: But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, the good brothers on this because how could you not?
0: Yeah, I've got a Good Brothers as well. And finally, rounding out what could be a very special match in its own right, uh, Deonna Perazzo defends the Impact Knockouts Championship against Kylie Ray, Everyone's cute little favorite.
2: Uh, this, this one's a heartbreaker for me to not choose Kylie Ray, but I'm going to go with Deonna on this one because I read that she – because she didn't have a full uh, full signed contract with Impact. It was kind of going really. daily, but she has now uh, signed a new deal. So she's going to be there for the foreseeable future. So, unfortunately for Kylie, I think think Deanna is going to take the win on this one.
0: Do you think that might have been part of the clause as well, sort of like give me an opportunity to run with the belt a little bit longer and I'll obviously – that might have sweetened the deal in giving her a contract?
2: I think – I mean, she beat Jordan Grace for it, and she had been a dominant champion. So, yeah, yeah, I think – I think they're doing right by Diana this time because, you know, let's be honest, she's a great worker and was not getting all her due in NXT hmm. or just WWE in general. So yeah, I'm happy for what she's doing. So I
0: think she should keep going. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stick my neck out actually and say Carly Rowan wins. Um, I think You're braver that- than I am. Yeah, I, uh, I like the idea of an upset every now and then. I think it's a really good feel-good story. And Impact's quite good at giving us feel-good champions. They like doing that. They've done that many times over the years. So. Yeah, but yeah. either way, I expect this to be a real sleep here for this show. Let's switch gears. Uh, right now, I believe there are only four matches that are actually set for Helen and so Sarah. At least that's what it. Looks I believe you're like, correct. Right. Right. Yeah, according to their Wikipedia. So this shouldn't take long at all. Oh, Jeff Hardy versus Elias in a singles match. Arguably the match I could care about least this weekend.
2: Yeah, I don't care, but I'm, I'm going to go with Elias. I, I really like Elias. I kind of always have. I mean, sure, some of the stuff has been a little eh, but. Let's be honest, at this point in Jeff Hardy's career, he should be you know, doing the favors for the younger guy. So I'm going to give it yeah. to Elias.
0: Yeah, that's how it feels. They got the unicorn title off Jeff Hardy, so there's no real big deal if he loses at this point. Jeff Hardy's there to make up the numbers very admirably. He'll just no doubt go in the Hall of Fame one day. Um, but, yeah, I've got Elias winning this. Helena Cell free, I have to say. Top quality Helen Hassell matches. These all have the potential to steal the show. These all should be high quality matches. WWE championship match. Drew McIntyre once again defends his title against Randy Orton, who is on a tear and is probably more motivated than he's ever been.
2: If Randy doesn't win here, the rivalry needs to end. But I've also yeah. said that, you know, a hundred times before. So I'm still gonna go with Drew. I think he's having an incredible run right now. And he'll uh yeah, he, he's going to retain it on this one, I think.
0: Yeah, I every single time they've wrestled each other, I've picked Randy Orton because I assumed they were going to, because WWE loves to cut the legs off of people I like. <laughs> and I just thought that it was naturally the progression of things. However, if Randy Orton wins this, then surely Drew McIntyre is going to get another bite of the cherry. And you can't really do that and have Helen in a on the rivalry. So I'm going to switch sides now and pick Drew McIntyre to retain and move on. And, you know, he'll probably drop his title at WrestleMania. Um. That being said, now they'll probably switch it around and Randy Orton <laughs> will win. Um, but I do quite fancy, as a real big Dark Horse shout-out, edge to return at this show and cost Randy Orton hell in a cell. That's my big shout-out.
2: Oh, I'd like I'm that. Go that that's saucy is what that is.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd pay good money for that. Uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship will also be on the line in hell in a cell as we get... Arguably what could be the culmination of a spectacular women's rivalry. Bailey defends against Sasha Banks.
2: Yeah, I I know this match is going to happen, but I don't think it's air quotes official yet because Bailey didn't sign the contract last week. No. But but some something's probably gonna happen tonight. I don't know. Maybe Sasha will bust open Bailey and sign it with her blood or something. I don't know. Because that's honestly, if this rivalry was going on in like two thousand two, that's what's that's what would happen. Like yeah. the blood, but uh, it, they won't do that because it's PG. But no, um, I think they're spunking this match too early. I don't think it yeah, should be happening at Hell in a Cell at the, at the very least. It should be at Survivor Series just because it is a big four. But it so, be for it that, like Hell
0: in a Cell in one of those pay per views,
2: absolutely. So, because of that, I'm gonna say Bailey's gonna retain from some bullshit shenanigans from heel shenanigans, and I think this is going to go on maybe. I mean, I think it could go on until WrestleMania. Well, not necessarily like, you know, have a few matches now, you know, then they move on. Sasha potentially maybe wins the rumble and then finally ends mm-hmm. Bailey's reign there. But I mean it's it's hard to tell, but I'm still gonna go with Bailey on this one. As much as I love me some Sasha Banks.
0: Uh yeah, I think Bailey as well. I think if it was gonna be a major title shift, they would have done it at a bigger pay-per-view. So I don't think that would be the key selling point here. Uh, Roman Reigns defends his Universal Championship against his cousin Jay Uzo inside Hell in a Cell in an I Quit match.
2: I mean, it's got to I mean, be Roman, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, that that's... The that's dream is Jay. F- the oh, dream yeah. is Jay,
0: but I think mission is accomplished. We all love and appreciate Jay far more and will take him far more seriously as a singles wrestler going forward than we ever thought we would have been a few months ago.
2: I think this program has done wonders for both men like say we it's made us fall in love with Jey Uso but it's made us realize that Roman is like he's always been a hell of a competitor like I've never he's not you know like he's no AJ Styles he's no Seth Rollins for in-ring work you know per se but they also have different styles but this character he's got going for himself now it's so much I mean it's a character it's the first character he's had since he debuted in 2012 like let's be honest like when he was with the Shield, he, his personality was me, big, strong guy, no talk. Good for you, bro. And his character has been pretty much the same since then, other than talking a little more. But this one, he yeah, just jerking himself raw. But he's got he's got Paul Heyman now, who can get anybody over, except Cesaro. Apparently, that man's is
0: just magnetic. <laughs> oh wow, I've just been reminded of that. Ryback yeah, right? as well. Do you remember when yeah. Ryback and proposed, Curtis Axel? When, do you remember when Paul Heyman proposed the Ryback? We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be a Paul Heyman guy?
2: <laughs> I do. Yeah. I mean, some guys you just can't. But I mean, Roman already had the star power and now he just has the mouthpiece to do it. And to his credit, Roman's been cutting some really good promos himself too. Like when he announced the kind of match it was going to be inside household, like sitting at the desk. like
0: He's in ring talking fucking... as well. He's so good yeah. right now. Yeah.
2: Oh, like, just acknowledge me. He's just beating the shit out of Jay and their first yeah, match the referee. incredible. You know,
0: know your lane. Stay out of my way. This is none of your damn business with family, you know, screaming that he loves him, saying, I wanted to I wanted to put food on our table. What are you yeah. doing? You know, this, it, like, it's been great. It has. And it's, do you know what? I hate Roman Reigns as much as I love him because he's doing a great job of making me hate him right now because I think, fuck you, I want Jay Uzo. I'm so desperate for Jay to overcome him. I've totally marked out for this. i desperate for Jay Uzo to overcome him. I know he probably won't, but I'm still going to be emotionally invested in this match. I will still be bent, because I know there's going to be points where Jay's going to have to really take a shit kick and a nasty one too. And at that point, I know I'm going to be emotionally invested and want him to overcome. And ultimately, he's going to have to say, I quit. And it's yeah, going to put both guys well over the top, and it's going to make... Smackdown must-watch
2: viewing. I mean, maybe they try and pull the wool over our eyes, and maybe do a bit of twin magic. Jimmy's in the under the ring or some shit. I could, I could see WWE doing that just because it's WWE and they do stupid shit like that. Yeah. But I think if they did, it would ruin the magic that this story has already started to tell. It would just kind of it would devalue it a lot. I think. Like I understand, you know, Jimmy would do anything for his brother, but. I don't know. I still hope eventually we might get a heel faction with the three of them, get the bloodline back. I think that would be really, really cool. But just looking at the snapshot of Hell in a Cell, obviously Roman's going to take it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's right now all we have in place for Hell in a Cell. But they've been short of pay-per-views. I wouldn't be unhappy whatsoever if they put Hardy and Elias on the pre-show and then just had free. What a match And that was it. I'd be more than happy with that. Good use of Helen in a cell, at least, even though I'm not a huge fan of the gimmicks. Right, let's wrap it up with NXT Halloween Havoc. We will no doubt release a podcast review on all of these. It may be on Zoom. It may not be. Depends. If you guys enjoy this, got to let us know. Make sure you like, subscribe, leave a comment, all that jazz. Make sure you get your notifications updated so that you get all of our videos going forward in case you do enjoy seeing our lovely faces a little bit more. Even if Jeremy Miller decides to run away for work purposes, you work here first, you hillbilly fuck. (sighs) It's a lack of professionalism. That's all I'm going to say. That's all that needs to be said. Halloween Havoc, by the way, no pumpkin, no pie. I'm watching... I better get my inflatable pumpkin or there Uh, is going to be hell of a
2: no no pumpkin maybe you guys have to suffer without a review we'll see how you feel we'll see how he feels because uh if it's not halloween havoc without the pumpkin sorry fam it's not
0: it's not it, otherwise it's just it's a lie Is well it is it's a dirty cheap lie is what I, it do, is.
2: I don't care make it a solid like somehow make it solid enough that you sure i could do a moonsault off it i don't care though that would be really fucking cool to see just give me a giant bounce pumpkin. off of
0: it like a giant beanie bag i think that or amazing. get through maybe maybe throw into it throws cameron <laughs> primes off the top of the fucking building, and he just fucking lands in the pumpkin.
2: And it just like deflates like it just gets trapped in it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To the moon, baby! To the moon! (laughs) He thinks he can fly, and he just falls (laughs) onto the pumpkin. That's gold. Give me that. Uh, Rhea Ripley challenges Raquel Gonzalez. Give me what I want.
2: I think Raquel Gonzalez is going to take this one, honestly. That's hard to say, because Rhea's like just so fantastic but i don't know like ever since she lost to charlotte she just hasn't been on the same level she was on before which is a shame
0: mm-hmm.
2: but I, I think gonzalez could take this she's up she's the new big heel powerhouse so like you know if assuming eo retains she'll need a a fucking a heavy to fight against so why not get gonzalez to do it
0: yeah i mean It's kind of like a takeover, but it's not. And I think it's unfortunate because I've seen some outlets like What Culture and that saying that this is going to be a bit of a letdown and that, you know, we're just getting some repeats. But what people are forgetting is just because it's Halloween Havoc, it's still in the NXT time slot. You're essentially getting a TV pay-per-view. It's not a takeover. Calm down, people. <laughs> doesn't have to be a world-beating main event. And ultimately, I think this card's pretty fucking shit anyway. Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes in what is being billed as a haunted house of terror match. This is apparently already being filmed. This will be a cinematic match, in which case my body is ready. Oh, by the way, I didn't pick a winner. I think... Uh, I think I- I'm going to say Rhea Ripley because I don't think Raquel Gonzalez is a kind of hit one will be affected too much. And I worry about Rhea Ripley taking too many losses. Um, Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes in a cinematic horror match. Oh, gotta be Dexter God. Loomis. It has to be. This is his wheelhouse. His gimmick is that he's a serial killer. <laughs> he,
2: it's like do you, the, there was the shot of camera guys being interviewed last yeah, or on and I seen, and Dexter like, Loomis is just leering, leering behind the door, just. <laughs> Uh,
0: good, good shit. It works, it really works. It was so creepy, it, I didn't it like it. does work, you know. Dexter Loomis, when he got signed uh to NXT, like he looks part of great body, incredible artist as well. Somebody who does a lot of painting, I really admire that. Um, but I must admit, I raised an eyebrow and I thought, really? Like, he's not gonna do much, but I'll tell you what, he's adapted beautifully to what he's doing. You know, he's he looks like a really good asset for this show, and I think him and Cameron Grimes will get best out of each other i think Loomis oh, is I, I expect this to be comical and violent and everything in between and we're gonna see cameron grimes genuinely i think shoot for the moon here i think he is gonna go straight to the
2: moon, to the moon. <laughs> to the moon.
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for it i'm ready for it. This. this is going to i think make these guys truly it's gonna put them over the top i really do i'm ready for it uh spin the wheel make the deal Damien Priest, who seems to be getting even more ink, although didn't really look that legit, if I'm being honest, as somebody who has many tattoos themselves. Um he puts his NXT North American Championship on the line against your boy, Johnny Gargano, who apparently hates the wheel. He does. He he, he, he not buried alive.
2: Ooh. (laughs) I don't know. I mean Johnny can't spin a wheel, so it could be anything. Just watching him get frustrated with a little cardboard wheel. Oh, was
0: uh, I think he's really underrated, actually, as a comedy heel. I think he's actually oh, he really funny. Oh,
2: he is. We've never ever had to dispute his Enren work. because it's I love just the Gargano been-
0: family meetings. I think they're great. I think anyone who's been in a relationship at any point in their life or has had to sit down and talk with their partner and everything with them would appreciate this. It's actually quite relatable and oh yeah. I appreciate it.
2: Um, That being said... Uh, I've, I still want him to win but I think Damian Priest his work, especially since he won the title has been so good Johnny doesn't need the title anymore Like he's done everything you can do in NXT at this point he's just being a little shit-eating heel who's hilarious so I'm going to go with Priest on this one I'm taking my brain over my heart but sometimes it's, it's for the best
0: Yeah, what well, looks like it will most likely be the main event at least I hope so Is Io Shirai defending once again against Candice LeRae? Again, spin the wheel, make the deal. Shotzi Blackheart will no doubt be looking redonkulously fine as a gothic vampire, whatever, don't care. Uh, Bring on the tank as well. That will hopefully be a thing. Um, Yeah, women's championship match. I personally can't see past Io Shirai. I think if they were going to do a big title change, they would most likely do it on a takeover. That being said... Uh, They're not above it. They've been changing titles pretty wildly, actually, on TV shows as well. I think the tag team title shift was a magnificent moment this year uh, on this week's NXT. And I could, could, do you know what? If they're going to pull the trigger, I think that they might do it this week coming with Halloween Havoc. I could see Io Shirai dropping it to Candice LeRae, but I'm still going to pick Io Shirai just because I feel like they've got something even bigger brewing, maybe possibly Ember Moon,
2: yeah, I'm. the <laughs> same as, well as well. Just going against Mister and Mrs. Wrestling is always really difficult for me, just because I love them so much. Yeah. But no, I think if case is going to win, they're going to do it on a big stage. They're going to do it at probably the Takeover before Survivor Series, assuming there is one. So he was going to retain now, and then you know she. I think she's had an incredible reign so far. She's had great matches every single time she's defended that title. So, yeah, might as well keep the belt on her. But a random thought. Do you think Regal might announce uh, anything to do with Balor next week? Because I know he said he was going to give him some time. Do you think he's going to do that on Halloween Havoc? Or should he probably wait till the following week as to not take away from the Halloween festivities?
0: Yeah, I think they want to try and have a bit of fun. And obviously, whether WWE wants to try and pretend like they're not, uh, they still want to make sure that they send their message across when it comes to the Wednesday Night War. uh, For me, it's more a battle of pride than it is ratings. It's about making sure that their product is in their eyes and their belief better than what AEW can put out. And I don't think the numbers, especially when you consider the strength that WWE has in terms of streaming, social media, the network itself, I don't think they really care if uh, primetime TV, they lose about 100,000 viewers to aw because i have no doubt that they'll make that back tenfold via their social media channels and the network itself <clears> <throat> so i don't think it's that big a deal but i i believe that they want to have a bit of fun here and they also want to make sure that they challenge and let's be honest you know i'm looking at these you know these two shows right now i don't know what i'm going to get from uh AEW Dynamite next week most likely the semi-finals of the knockout tournament so obviously Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega is definitely something that I want to see obviously Hangman Page was a war though is something I want to see but they don't match up to what I think Halloween Havoc is offering
2: I mean I'd like to see that too but uh, I saw well, uh, I'd like to see that match too between Phoenix and uh, Omega, but apparently, I saw it on Twitter, I'll try and find it and send it to you, but uh, apparently the injury's worse than it sounds, because it's really? now going to be uh, Pentagon, against.
0: Yeah, against, I mean, uh, which that'll is- still be fantastic. I mean, they faced each other, didn't they, at the uh, original pay-per-view, was it all in? Um, they uh, played, yes. I believe they were one of the matches on that show, and it was fantastic by the way, and it was the first time they'd ever met in a single match. Um Yeah, I have no doubt that will be excellent, but it is a little bit disappointing that Ray Phoenix has picked up another injury. He tends to pick up... I mean, this is just kind of the problem when you wrestle the way he does. Um, You're going to crash and burn every now and then. Hopefully, it won't be long-term, but a little bit disappointing and takes a little bit of the shine off what would have been fantastic. And also, you know, Penta ultimately still lost. So, you know, it makes it just that slightly... You know, slightly less legitimate because it's obviously not the guy who won the match who should yeah. really yeah. deserve to be there.
2: It's definitely it sad. sad. I mean, I was supposed to see Ray Phoenix at a Destiny show. Um, I think it was probably about a year and a half ago, but he had injured himself at Impact. Like, I hate to say it, but the guy, like, the guy is injury, might be injury prone. I understand his style. Um, like, he does all that crazy shit. I get it. But unfortunately, if you're injury prone, injury-prone like that, again, air quotes, Mm. I mean, it can definitely put a hamper on your career in any company because they'll be afraid to give you the ball because you might tear a quad or something trying to run with it, you know?
0: Yeah, no question. Um, That wraps up the predictions, ladies and gentlemen. One more thing before we go. Uh, Our good buddy, Smiley, I mentioned earlier, Sumairi Shinigami, uh, as she likes to go by on the uh, the Twitter, uh, sending her reactions because, of course, she was there live for NXT and I did indeed see you while I was watching and had a little bit of an inner pop for you. So I'm glad that you're able to get out and enjoy it in such a difficult time for us. So uh, her quick fire opinions on NXT, the excitement that was in my pod and the pod next to me whenever Velva team would get beat up. <laughs> I mean, I feel that right here. I would have popped. I would have popped. I would have been like, take it, you piece of shit. I would be screaming at him because I don't know <laughs> what I'm like. Uh, Izzy was in the pod next to me, you know, the Bailey super fan. Oh, uh, yeah. And-, yeah. and Velveteen saw her and her family booing him, and he started thrusting his hips at her. She is an underage girl. Oh. Wow. That- that's awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Christ or my the that's other predator got beat twice. It was a great night for predators to get beat up. Apparently, uh, Austin Theory had some allegations levelled at him as well. I'm not entirely too sure about those as much. They must have kind of gone by the way.
2: I think that's kind of why they separated him from uh, Zelina and Andrade.
0: Yeah, that does surprise me because that was kind of just yeah. And then he was with Seth Rollins, and then they cut that away quick, didn't they? Yeah. Now, Maybe they've decided that it's not worth pursuing him, and that's why they ran him out of town tonight, mm-hmm. not the other night. So, yeah, I to be honest, as much as I think Austin Fury has some talent, and I was even uh, part of the ring crew and got to work around him uh, at a progress show that he worked, I don't think it's a big loss for NXT or WWE. Um <laughs> I refused to pick someone in that six-man tag match. Everyone was fucking amazing. Even though I almost lost it when Santos walked by my pod all slow, like looking at me, I almost fainted in my pod. He's handsome, isn't he? He's a handsome fella. Yeah. Yeah, he's got it all going on. Drake and Killian our friendship goals. That's me and you, Smiley. We should be an intergender tag team. You can be Drake Maverick, and I'll be Killian Dane. Um, because, you know, one of us has got to be super hairy. <laughs> Uh, Casey got a squash match and Zaya got another letter if this turns out to be something borderline racist I'm a loser not what? really seeing it, but I don't know. No,
2: I don't, no. I don't,
0: I don't see it. No, I, I think it's more. I mean, I don't think it was a squash match either, to be fair. I thought it was reasonably competitive. I like the way that Casey kind of came back and kind of caught her because she was just a little bit too over the top and wasn't paying attention. She got caught mm-hmm. out for a lack of professionalism. I think the story so far is quite interesting. I'm curious to see what they're doing with Zyli and also that girl looking fine. I see her on Instagram posting all those not air swimsuit pictures. She's looking good. Um, she's worked hard on her physique and her credibility as a character's eye. And it's nice to see she's getting an opportunity to be used, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Timothy Thatcher, that was something we didn't mention. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. Thatcher's Fatch Can. Do you know what? Funny at first could get boring real quickly. Uh, you know, they're trying to make him more of a character. Don't do that. Make him a menacing, destructive. I mean, you know what? They should have brought him in as a heavy for somebody else and then allowed him to build from now. I think he would have had more potential in that regard. Timothy Thatcher teaching rookies the ropes. Bravo, Tim. He is so – I'll tell you what. Even in these kind of faux training things, you just see how good a wrestler he is,
2: how smooth he is,
0: how crispy he
2: is. He, here he reminds, reminds, me, uh, reminds me of William Regal.
0: Like yeah. A
2: Or maybe not a young William Regal, but a younger than he is now, William Regal.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say.
2: God, he looks like he's 108.
0: Yeah, and he's still, still devin' it. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, I'm not really that bothered. Fucking Pat McAfee. I don't even care because Oni and Danny are fucking champions. I really hope they got me screaming up and down like a fucking fangirl on TV, damn it. LOL, Uh, that ends her interactions. Yeah, I actually did see you losing your shit. And I actually, the majority of people in the audience were losing their shit as well. Even though it was a heel turn, people popped because they know how cool it is to see these two guys overcome and get their first taste of championship gold in a major Uh, wrestling platform.
2: I still remember their match with the Undisputed Era when uh, I think it was Oni
0: Lorcan.
2: Yeah, I think when Oni Lorcan took that... uh... Dirty apron bump. He got pushed off the top turnbuckle, flat back right on the apron. And because I remember at first the crowd was booing them just because the undisputed era was the cool thing, right? So everyone cheered. But the time the match ended, the crowd was cheering for the boys just because of the work they put in. Mm -hmm. Like, they're incredible workers. Like I said, man, fucking throw them up. We'll do it all the time. I don't even care. They are now the NXT Tag Team Champions, and I couldn't ask for anything better.
0: Yeah. Thrilling. Uh, thank you so much, Molly, for sending your interactions. Lovely. And if you're going to be at NXT regularly, send them to us. Let us know. It's great to have you back in contact with the podcast more often. We love and miss you dearly. You're looking fantastic. You look healthy. Look after yourself and have a good time at NXT because not everybody gets the opportunity to see wrestling, particularly not in this pandemic. We certainly don't, which is why we're sat on zoom discussing it uh before we go ladies and gentlemen you will probably have heard by now we are looking to wrap things up entirely at episode 500 if things don't improve financially i am happy to say that a few people have bought t-shirts in support of the podcast in support of giving back to it i'm very grateful for that big shout and a very very big thank you in particular to sam oates and cameron anderson who have started next out to support the podcast in difficult times um episode 500 of course rapidly approaching i believe this is 473 um which i should know but i don't never mind <laughs> but it's, it's either 472 or 473 i'm pretty sure it's 473 uh, either way we're rapidly approaching 500 and of course we'll be racking up podcasts this week if you like the fact that we're doing the zoom as well don't hesitate to let us know so that we can do it more often obviously if you're still listening on an audio format make sure you check in with youtube if you can and see our beautiful faces talk about it in person it might be uh A nice show to accompany you in the background, a bit of ambiance as you're trying to rest. Um, But one thing uh, I will say is that we do have two T-shirt tees. Uh, I'll point somewhere. We'll try and get them on the screen because I can edit and stuff like that. WrestlePlug.BigCartel.com. If you are European-based and ProWrestlingTees.com slash WrestlePlug. If you're North American-based, you can buy yourself a T-shirt, support this podcast. I'm not going to beg you for money, but at the same time, all that money is kicked back in to help maintain this podcast. So if you want to see an episode, if you want to hear an episode past, episode 500 of the Wrestle plug, simply put the ball is in your court, ladies and gentlemen. Support it or lose it at this point, I'm afraid. Well, I'm, oh, I'm
2: yeah. definitely for a pro wrestling tease. Apparently, um, I guess it's until midnight tonight, so you might miss it. But uh, they had a promo code, 2MIL. Uh, because you know they've sold two million units, so it's twenty percent off everything until midnight CST. So that I'm not great at time zones, so it might be three Eastern Standard, maybe eight AM BST.
0: Is that uh? Is that the West Coast
2: time that is? No. Uh, oh,
0: CST. West Coast is,
2: P- is PST. So this is Central Standard Time. The so it might... yeah, it might be maybe an hour or two because i know the west coast is three hours behind me because i'm eastern standard so this might just be a couple i don't know if you hear this before the end of the day today go to pro wrestling tees it'll be tw- you can get stuff 20 percent off May buy both designs do it send hi- send him money
0: yeah even even if you do miss the sale which you most likely will i very much doubt anyone will see this before um you know check it out you know it's reasonable uh very low and particularly like you know if you order it from the appropriate website the shipping and handling charges are pretty low we try to keep price down to the lowest possible as well uh when you factor in um printing costs and things like that we don't get a great deal to kit back anyway but we want to make sure that at least if you're going to donate some money to the podcast that you get something in return because i don't believe in just taking money or having GoFundMe's. you know just simply put you know the the job obviously went to the wayside in the pandemic as it did for a lot of people it's very difficult i'm not saying that i'm the only one in said position but obviously a lot of content to be created we'd love to create more going forward and obviously you guys can help us with that and provide us with the opportunity to do so so thank you so much for everyone who's chipped in so far hopefully some of you will more and i will be endeavoring as well to ensure that every single person who buys a Wrestle Club t-shirt from now until the end I mean you could wear this lovely little beauty here as you can see they're well printed you know we've got loads of different designs and we can also cater to you as well if there's something that you see but you would like it in a slightly different style let me know and I can certainly cater to that but I will also be ensuring that every single person that buys a tee gets a uh, fresh authentic and customized piece of art for free courtesy of myself just as a little kickback so now is a good opportunity to buy some t-shirt and support the wrestle club. Carl Wilkinson thank you very much for adorning our screens with your gorgeous beard, you maple leaf magician, you duke of diabetes the man of pure beauty the Ontarian otter himself uh, thank you very much sir uh, uh, this, uh, is actually, this was really
2: cool just to uh, you know actually get to go face to face, I think it's actually really neat, if you guys like this tell everyone, tell your friends I'm going to assume you guys have friends, so go
0: tell them. What are these things you call friends?
2: (laughs) I mean, that is a very good question.
0: I have better friends on Zoom than I do in real life. That's real testament to me. Terrifying terrifying wherever you are in the world make sure you stay safe make sure you look after yourself practice, practice social distancing excuse me don't forget to check your balls in case you were listening to one of the older podcasts but this has been an absolute whopper i will endeavor to try and cut it up in places but if you have listened to the whole thing in full i'm incredibly thankful for that i love you dearly look after yourselves take care and we'll catch you very soon for more content from the Russell